welcome to Southern Sense Talk Radio with your host, the radio chick, Annie Ubellis. Join Annie on Tuesdays and Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time with an open chat room full of her regulars. And yes, you can even call in. Call 917-889-3675. That's 917-889-3675 to be a part of the action on the phone line. Not able to listen live? Not a problem. You can always catch Annie, the radio chick, and Southern Sense Talk Radio podcast in archives at southern-sense.com. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Southern Sense the right way. When an emergency strikes, what's your first impulse? If your answer is run to the grocery store, you're likely to find chaos and plenty of empty shelves. So how do you avoid this? Well, it's simple. You use today to make a plan, to prepare for things that may happen. It's a hurricane, earthquake, lizard, or even social unrest, especially in today's political environment. The practical place to start is by storing up food in your home. And I use my Patriot Supply for my food storage. If you don't have an emergency food supply, it's time to do so. Here's a great item that makes it really simple. A two-week food kit that comes in a rugged tote. And it's only $75 when you go to my special website, preparewithsouthernsense.com, or call 888-441-7290. This food kit includes breakfast, lunch, and dinners that will last up to 25 years on your storage shelves. So order now and prepare for yourself, and then it's easy. So it's very simple. Just call 888-441-7290. Go to preparewithsouthernsense.com. You know what? Let's make it even more simple than that. You're listening to my show, and it's called Southern Sense, and you know you put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com, and click on the icon for my baby food. Well, if you want to insist, you can still go to 888 888- Four four one seven two nine zero, or go to my website Southern Sense. Put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com. Be prepared. All right, and welcome to another exciting adventure here on Southern Sense. You'll hear listening live on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, the Star Daily News, up in iTunes, Stitcher, Radio, YouTube, Facebook, all the heck with it. Just go to the name of the show, put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com. I'm your hostess with the most, it's the radio chick, Annie, along with my debonair and intellectual and also handsome co-host, Curtis C.S. Bennett. Good afternoon, Curtis. How are you today? I'm doing great now that the sun 
finally decided to um, come out today. It's been like cloudy, cloudy the last like four days. So now we got some sunshine and everything's bright here in Florida. <laughs> well, I want to welcome everyone that's joining us over here in the blog talk. I'm sorry, blog talk radio chat room and those that are joining us now over on Facebook. If you're trying to access the YouTube, I am not up on YouTube today. I'm having a technical difficulty. I'll figure it out. I may have to switch computers. That could be the problem. But anyway, we'll get it working. And what were you going to say, Curtis? I'm sorry. Oh, I just was saying that uh, I'm happy that the sun is out. There's brightness all around. Because it's been like overcast for about a week and cold. I felt like I was back up in Philadelphia. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But now we've come to the typical Florida weather. So we are right. Yeah. Yes. And it's nice and all kind of sunny over here, but fairly warm. Anyway, uh, we've got a stocked show. We've got a lot of people joining us. Uh, We do have evangelistic Dr. Alvita King joining us. We do have that. Uh, We don't know what the glitch was last time, but she will be joining us the first part of the show. Uh, Followed by the president of Americans for Limited Government, Rick Manning. And the Gosnell movie is taking off. And uh, I've got my DVD, and we're going to be showing it locally at our local tea party. Uh, She, Anne McElhaney, is the producer, screenwriter, author of the book about Gosnell. Uh, the Gos- Kermit Gosnell story, Gosnell the movie. Uh, we're also going to have uh, Carla Dadesi. I hope I pronounced that right, Carla. Uh, she's the founder of Culture for Life, and she's also a, a radio host on a Fox affiliate. Uh, we'll be talking about a lot of stuff with her. And then we have an author, Dr. Wilfred Riley, and he's got a book out called Hate Crime Hoax. Really good book. We're going to be talking about that. So we've got a lot of guests. Uh, lined up today, a lot of fun we're going to have, a lot to talk about. And there's a lot in the news, because Congresswoman Ilian Omar, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. the left is actually starting to really show their ugly head, and this bogus resolution they passed yesterday, just full of crap. Um, They just can't simply turn around and call out that Congresswoman for her anti-Semitism, did that to uh, Congressman King out of Louisiana. They tossed him off all the committees. He made that one statement about white nationalism and cost him a lot. And he got censured, and rightly so. They can't do that to someone on their own side because then they have to admit that they are anti Semitic. Double standard and hypocrisy. And not only that, they, they don't. And, not only that, they don't turn on their own. You know, it's rarely that a Democrat will turn on their own. They will come to um, their defense, circle the wagons, or what, you know, however you want to say it. But they just don't give up their own. No, they don't. No, there are a couple of Democrats that did properly stand forward and called her out on it and said the resolution, even though they were voting for it, uh, they felt it should have stayed with just anti-Semitism. They could have used a separate resolution for any other uh, hate crime they wanted a name in there. But if it's about religion, then why didn't they put in the Hindus, the sheiks? Why didn't they add all that in there? But no. So like I said, it was a hollow resolution. Very disappointing. But again, what else do you expect from a Democrat? 
Like I said, there's a lot to talk about. (laughs) A lot to talk about, a lot to do. And I see our friend Sue is feeling well enough to join us in the studio. Good afternoon, Sue. I sent a message out letting people know that there are prayers going out for you. People have you in their hearts and minds and hope you feel better soon. That said, anyone that listens to the show knows that we start off each and every show with a dedication to a fallen hero. And today's dedication is going to go out to Police Officer Dale James Woods of Colerain Township Police Department in Ohio. His end of watch was Monday, January 7th of this year. And this comes from several sources. One is the Officer Dale Memorial page that you can find at odmp.org. This is also from WCPO and Fox 6 Now. And finally, WVXU. And it starts off. Police officer Dale Woods succumbed to injuries sustained three days earlier while moving traffic, traffic control devices at the scene of a previous ca- crash on Colerain Avenue near Henry Lee Lane. The initial crash involved a vehicle striking a utility pole during a period of rain, requiring the utility company to respond to make repairs. Officer Woods was moving a traffic cone as part of the road closure when a pickup truck struck him. He was transported to Cincinnati Medical Center where he passed away. His organs were donated following his death. Officer Woods had served with the Colerain Township Police Department for 15 years. He is survived by his three children. The ambulance that transported him to UCMC that night was trailed by firefighters, fellow officers, and other emergency personnel who hoped to show their support. The same entourage trailed the vehicle that carried his remains away from the hospital. Miles away, flowers left by well-wishers decorated the street, the scene of the strike. Wood's death leaves behind a family and a department that will both be changed by his absence, Denny said. He had spent 15 years with the Colerain Township Police Department, where many other officers have never experienced a comrade's death, and several more before that with Colerain Township Fire Department. Denny, who knew him for 32 years, discovered new facets of Wood's career in public service even as he and other colleagues exchanged stories at his bedside. They'd also worked with the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals and spent time with other local police and fire departments before settling in Colerain. Even in his last moments, he shared he became an organ donor, Denny said. Even gone, he cares about people and he takes care of him. That's him. He hopes his department and the larger law enforcement community of greater Cincinnati can do the same for Wood's family, whom he described as heartbroken but remarkably giving, as they allowed supporters in uniform to spend time with Woods in his last three days of life. He also thanked the residents of Colerain Township, many hundreds of whom attended a night vigil to pray for Woods' recovery. I think the majority of people do know it's a dangerous job, and the man was just doing his job, Colerain resident Bob Nash said, but he was not in harm's way in terms of any bullets flying 
tragic. It hurts. Five days after his death, Ohio officer Dale Woods made final stops at some of the places he loved, the North College Hall, North College Hill Police Department, where he once served on the force, the Clovernook Country Club, where friends say the shy, serious lawman became a gregarious golf player, and the Colerain Police Department, where fellow officers warned a friend and colleague of 15 years. Woods' remains were re- escorted from destination to snowy destination by a procession of police vehicles before arriving at Colerain High School for public visitation. Surrounded by law enforcement from around the country, the Coleraine Police Department, friends and family, laid Officer Dale Woods to rest. During the public funeral services at the Sintus Center, officials took turns remembering Woods and encouraging his three children to remember him proudly. Your dad was a hero, Coleraine Township Trustee Raj Rajapol, himself a former deputy sheriff said while choking back tears. Being a hero doesn't require that you die in a fiery explosion or that you have some innate skill for carrying a football or a tomb. Colerain Chief Mark Finney assured Wood's children, but it does require you be willing to give everything, including your life, for a purpose bigger than yourself. And if that doesn't describe your dad, I don't know what does. Denny described Woods as a natural cop and a cop's cop, the kind of officer, common sense, or how to talk to people with respect, or how to handle a stressful situation. He said Woods was the kind of officer who would run into gunfire or a burning building for people he'd never met. He was, friends and co-workers said, someone who always committed to service, knowing from a young age that he wanted to be a police officer or a fireman. Woods enjoyed playing drums and golfing. He was a good man. Chaplain James Love reminded loved ones, especially Woods' fellow officers, to remember him, to talk about him, to tell his story. Whenever something comes up, say it out loud. Hey, guys, you know what Dale would say? You know what Dale would do? It is my hope that the memory of Dale will eventually, maybe not now, but eventually, bring a smile to your face more than a tear to your eye. Today's show is dedicated to Police Officer Dale James Wood of the Coleraine Township Police Department. It is also dedicated to all the brave men and women out there that serve as first responders, be they law enforcement, firefighters, or emergency services. We also dedicate this show to the brave men and women that serve in our military from the birth of this proud nation through today and into its future. And we dedicate to them this song by Todd Allen Herndon, My Name is America. May God bless each and every one. Born in the grip of oppression, 
I fought for my liberty I paid with the blood of my people Freedom has never been free Now my door's always open To dreamers and friends When I'm attacked I protect and defend back. You're here listening to Southern Sense here on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, The Lone Star, Daily News, up on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, YouTube, Facebook, all the heck with it. Just goes to the name of the show, Southern Sense. Put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com. Of course, I'm your hostess with the most is the radio chick, Annie, along with my co-host, Curtis C.S. Bennett. Curtis, 
We've got just uh, about five, ten minutes before we call our first guest in on the line. Um, there's a couple of things I found uh, going through the notes last night. You know, everyone's saying that it's not an emergency at the border. These illegals just want to come here and work. They just they have the best intentions here for America. They want to become Americans. That isn't the biggest pile of crap I've ever heard. <laughs> I don't know what is. Uh, but this was up on TeaParty.org. And alien Miguel Marcias Lopez was charged with making 10,000, not 1,000, not 100, 10,000 fake IDs in an Oregon lab that were sold across the U.S. And this was from actually Gateway Pundit. Miguel Lopez pleaded guilty of conspiracy to produce more than 10,000 fake IDs that were sold across America. The fake document was operating, uh, the fake document operation was operating in Woodburn, Oregon for 10 years. And you think about that, you break that down and you take, say, Sundays off. That's making approximately three IDs a day for 10 years. Hey, uh, that's big business. Ring. Yeah. Broad Doc Ring communicated with customers using Facebook, emails, Snapchat, and in person. The plea deal states the customers paid through PayPal. Oh, they won't allow us to buy guns legally using PayPal, but you can buy fake IDs using PayPal. Really good, guys. Mercedes Lopez moved to Oregon in 2017. He will be deported after serving his time. Oh, and catch this. He was also selling meth at the time of his arrest. Real good guy. Wow. These are the real good model. Alien. A real good model immigrant. Yeah, model <laughs> Illegal though it be. <laughs> no. Oh no, no. That's all right. Just let everyone in. And I I heard someone saying something that to the point where we're looking at probably somewhere around one point five million illegal aliens that are going to be attempting to cross the border. This is this is not going to be good for us. And imagine now no. that some of these uh, elections that we just had were lost by a mere couple hundred votes. Or, or here, uh, Katie Arrington lost by a little over a thousand votes. And imagine if they dumped several busloads of these illegal aliens here, gave them identification, and now they go and register vote. You can see elections being turned forever, and we will then never get a Democrat out of office. But that's no, the left way. has no shame. They have no shame in their game. And, and as far as um, economics, uh, it's not really a boon to the American economy because most of the money these, these guys make, they send it back, back to their country, their homeland. So it's not it's not staying in America. Borf, he's got one heck of a sense of humor. We should pit the illegal aliens against the Islamic refugees. The only problem with that is the Islamic jihadists are slipping in these refugees. Unfortunately, the drug cartels are working with the jihadists yeah. and helping them buddy. slip across the border. Now, I still cannot find the article. It was either back in... 1989 or 1990, it was either Time or Newsweek, had a major article about the crossing over the southern border. 
But then again, at that point in time, there was Republican in office. So they were having this huge cry out for these illegal aliens that are coming over the southern border. And at that time, they wrote in that article, and I wish if someone can find it for me, let me know, that there were what they called OTMs, other than Mexicans. And lo and behold, with these OTMs, they found discarded in the desert on our side of the border, prayer rugs and Korans. Now, this is, we have been, been invaded by jihadists for decades. So this is 30 years ago, and we still haven't solved mm-hmm. this problem. Well, I don't think it's going to be stopped until we get this border um, wall up and um, we get some more people to enforce the law at the, the border. And after the 2020 election, when um, Trump, you know, stays um, in office, we can uh, get more conservative politicians on the right and in the middle there in Washington to do the right thing as far as um, immigration. Until then, I don't really see too yeah, much and, happening. And Vorp is correct that they also found Chinese in these illegal aliens crossing. And matter of fact, some of the crossing signs were written not only in Spanish and Arabic, but also in Chinese. Our own government was putting these signs on there in all the languages, knowing full well that we're getting people from the Middle East and the Far East, as well as from Central and South America. Well, those guys are desperate oh, to, to left. They're very desperate. You know, a lot of blacks are returning to the Republican Party. And they they have to find some means to to replace them, and they see this 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 great population south of the border as a good place to um, you know mine votes from, and that's that's why they're doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They don't care about they don't care about these people other than you know what they represent, and that's a a vote for Democrats. Well, just one last thing before you end up calling uh, Dr. King. Um, There's an article that was on American Update, and catch this. Will Smith recently accepted a new role where he's facing criticism for not being black enough. Uh, It was reported that actor Will Smith has been cast to play Serena and Venus Williams' father in a new biopic about the tennis stars, and some leftists are not happy about it. Apparently Smith, of course, Will Smith is a black man, is not black enough to play Richard Williams. Sports reporter Clarence Hill Jr., for example, was disappointed about the casting of Smith because colorism matters. Colorism matters. Love Will Smith, but there are other black actors for this role, said Hill in a tweet he posted. Can you believe that? Yeah, Can you really. Believe that? You know, it's. <laughs> It's unconscionable, but um, I can believe it coming from, you know, where it's coming from, the left. Everything well, I mean, to them is about race, everything. You know, <laughs> it's bad enough you have people that divide black, Hispanic, and white, but now you divide among yourselves. It just doesn't make sense. Do you see? Uh, I I don't see it on my side where you say, "Well, you're you're too white." 
or you're, you're you're darker than a normal white or something. I don't I don't hear well, that. Not, so mm-hmm. what makes a person what makes a person not black enough? He's an excellent actor. You know, if you need me to look paler, there's makeup. If you need me to look darker, there's a little makeup. It's the skill of the man, the talent of the man that you're bringing to the film because you want to make money on it. That's the whole idea about it. Maybe this other actor isn't talented enough. Maybe he doesn't have the right look or the walk or the talk. I don't know who this other actor is, so I can't answer for that, but it's crazy. This has just gotten out of hand. And I see no remedy other than the fact that, you know, these guys are going to have to stop relying on race for everything and color. Like I said, those are the fallback themes for those on the left. Race, um, race baiting, and um, class envy, you know, class warfare, how, however you want to put it. But that's what they fall back on. Well, and they're going to start eating their own. So why don't you give Dr. King a call? Let's bring her on. Um, and meanwhile, I'll just talk to the guys over here in the uh, chat room listening in over on Facebook uh, as well as in the studio. There was one good thing news that came out this week uh, and this was uh, who put this up there uh, with, this is Trump train news uh, it's Trump's PAC site um, President Trump has issued an executive order to help prevent suicides among veterans. On Tuesday afternoon President Trump signed an executive order to launch a new program aimed at preventing veteran suicide. Now, you've got to remember this. 21 veterans commit suicide um, a day, and I'm glad some action is being taken. Uh, the National Roadmap to Empower Veterans and End Veteran Suicide will provide new grants for suicide prevention programs in local communities and bring in the private sector to help cut down on wait times. Now, this is great. He's not relying on the federal government to do these programs. He's saying go into local communities where they know what they need best. They know where the veterans are, and they know how to help them and get them the services the fastest. I like that. I like that very much, and I like bringing in the private sector to work with the local communities because there's groups out there like the Independence Fund, the Gary Sinise Foundation. There's a lot of good civilian groups out there that are trying to help these veterans. If we can unite them with the community and the resources and get the help to the veterans fast, it's a fantastic idea. Inside the federal government, the executive order will start suicide research and incentivize departments to share important data. The new task force, this was originally in the military times, the new task force would be charged with better coordinating existing research on suicide within federal systems. Already the Department's Defense, Veterans Affairs, and Homeland Security have a host of information on traumatic brain injury, post-traumatic stress disorder, and mental health issues that could be indicators of suicidal thoughts. The report indicated that suicide is the top clinical priority for the VA, and they want to make sure they save our veterans. I'm glad someone finally got the priority right, and I'm glad that some is being done to help these veterans because this is an important issue. These men and women go out there. 
They volunteer. They put their life on the line, and they pay a heavy penalty and a heavy price. The largest growing segment of veterans homeless on the street happen to be women who are vulnerable to sexual assault. And they also are suicidal at much higher rate than men at times. I'm glad a positive step is being taken in the right direction. And hopefully, Curtis will have uh, Dr. King here on the line. Again, I want to welcome everyone that's up in the chat room and listening in up on uh, Facebook. And special shout out to our friend J.T. Sloan. I see he popped in. And uh, also have my friend Mike Covert, who's running for Congress here in the 1st Congressional Disc- Disc- District in South Carolina. So got friends uh, popping in all over the place. I want to welcome them on board. And we're waiting for Dr. King to uh, call in. Here's something that really ticked me off. You know, if this had been done, um, this was in my local paper. Uh, originally, it was in the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. A high school art project helps students gain a new perspective by connecting them with people of the Islamic faith. The Fayetteville High School students in Ashley Grissom's Advanced Placement World History Classes. Now, remember, there's a world history book out there that is being used in classrooms across the nation, and it dedicates far more pages to teaching people about Islam and only a short little page about Christianity and Judaism. The, the accent on Islam and indoctrinating our children in the Muslim faith has gotten out of hand. Matter of fact, recently a local school here uh, was taken to task because they took the kids to a Christian church. And the uproar that went on with this locally here, taking the school board to task, taking the teacher that did this to task because they wanted separation of church and state. They didn't want the kids indoctrinated in the Christian faith. The purpose of our public schools is not to teach them their faith. It is to educate them to be ready to go out there in the real world, in the, get a job, be a community leader, be a productive member of society. Leave it up to the mosques, the temples, the churches to deal with my soul. But leave my kid from being, stop indoctrinating my kid. And this is what this school in Fayetteville was doing. Students' work was on display recently at the University of Peace, a putting a face on Islam exhibit was accompanied by a one-page artist statement about the work. Now, this even goes on so far as they took these kids to a mosque and had them lectured to in the mosque. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's not all right to bring them into our Christian churches, but it's perfectly all right to bring them into a mosque and indoctrinate them in Islam. Now, how many parents were aware of this project, and how many parents approved of this project? And why is it just the face of Islam? If you wanted to be this where it's equal across the board and you're trying to show you're not indoctrinating our kids in Islam, then why don't you let the child voluntarily choose which faith they wanted to put a face on? Maybe someone wanted to do Hinduism. Maybe someone wanted to do, I don't know, uh, Buddhism. Maybe someone wanted to do Native American. Why Islam? And again, were the parents notified this? Did they go home with the permission slip saying, well, we have to put a face on Islam, Mom. Give me permission so I can do it. 
they, I guarantee they didn't do that because you know what? The parents would have been in an uproar about indoctrinating their child in Islam. So, were you able to reach Dr. King? No. Matter of fact, the person who answered said I had the wrong number. And I checked it Uh-oh. four times. Uh, I'm going to shoot you a quick through. email to make sure make sure I wrote it down. Make sure I wrote it correctly. Yeah, I, and I'm just I text you what I had. I could have written it. Might have got uh, a digit wrong. Uh, I'm just looking at this. Um, uh, yeah, the last digit should be a four, not a two. My okay. bad. Okay. <laughs> you want to try again. again? My bad. <laughs> I can't right. be perfect all the time. <laughs> no one is. Oh man. Oh man. Anyway, as we're waiting to my screw up, I apologize, folks. I apologize. It's when you try to do too many things at the same time. You can't always get them all right. Hmm. But uh, that, if anyone has another take on this, this indoctrination, this put a face on Islam, our project, you know, put it up in the chat room, say something to me and tell me what you think. Um, matter of fact, J.P. Sloan put in from the surah. He has a perfect uh, quote from the Quran itself. Oh, you who have believed, do not take the Jews and the Christians as allies. They are, in fact, allies of one another. And whoever is an ally to them among you, then, indeed, he is the one of them. Indeed, Allah guides not through the wrongdoing people. That was a good one. Thank you very much, JP. But that is what they're doing. You know, if anyone has read the Quran, throughout the Quran, they tell you to lie. They tell you about Kittim and Takiyah. They tell you to, to fake it if it helps promote the cause of Islam. And this is what it's doing. Oh, you put a nice, happy smile on it without telling the whole story. They have no problem about bringing up the Crusades. They have no problem whatsoever about stating in the Bible that, oh, the Jews slew a whole village. Well, yeah, because it was a sinful village. And God said, they are no longer following my word. There's a reason for that. But in the Quran, if you are not a Muslim, then you are free game right there. Mm. I'm sorry, folks. It's just getting a little worked up over here as we're waiting for uh, Dr. King to uh, be reaching. That's my fault. I apologize for that one. But as I'm looking through my stories, trying to see what we else we have here. Oh, as we were talking about um, the border, here locally in our local GOP, we're trying to put together a resolution to go to the state GOP and on to the federal GOP about securing our border, and I had a little bit of a hand on that this week, and came up with some very interesting statistics. In February of last year, there were 36,751 apprehensions of illegals crossing the border. Think about that number. For just one month, almost 37,000 last year. This year, it is more than double. This year's apprehension was 76,103. Doubled just one month. And think about that. That is over 100,000 people 
between the month of February last year and the month of February this year. And at this rate, guys, our nation will be completely overrun. And that's what we're looking for. Don't tell me that, you know, this is not a, a crisis. The communities on the border can't even handle this. They don't have places to shelter these people. They don't have the medical facilities for these people. And it is a crisis. So let's bring on our guest, and I apologize for the delay and the mistake, but that is my bed, welcoming our friend, evangelist, Dr. Alviva King. Good afternoon, and welcome back, Dr. King. How are you today? Wonderful, and good afternoon, and hello to your listening audience as well. Good to have you. Uh, Bless you for all the hard work you do. Um, You are the director of civil rights for the unborn. Uh, you, You have your website, wonderful website. Uh, Priest for Life. Thank you. Where you also are the director of civil rights for the unborn. And this is a, a huge thing. Now states are coming around, such as state of South Carolina, Richard Cash is heading this, for personhood. When New York State passed that hideous abortion law, they actually nullified all of the personhood laws that were in place that protected the unborn child. But you see, there's, there's a battle line now drawn across the abortion lines. Mm-hmm. Well, with that that battle line, people are actually responding, and I'm sure you've already told your audience and they're up to speed on some of this, but in uh, New York a few days ago, a couple of weeks ago, uh, the governor of New York said that abortion will be legal in every situation, for every circumstance, and if the baby is born and the baby is born alive, then that still is still cause to let the baby die or be dead because the intent was to abort the baby. The same thing turns around in Virginia, and the uh, governor of Virginia, Northam, also is a pediatrician and admitted that that would be infanticide, but if the intent intent was for the baby to die, even if the baby was born, then that is something that should be considered. Now, we know that we have Illinois and several other states, about 20 states, are trying to introduce different versions of this, and also they're trying to rescue the half billion dollars that goes of our tax dollars to abortion mills. Abortion mills, people who give abortions can, under Title Ten health provision, get they have been getting grants from our tax uh, tax dollars, Planned Parenthood, at the top of that list. And so the president did sign an order saying that. Um, a law came through saying that if you give abortions or refer to them before abortions, whether shot, pills, surgery, or however, then you will not get Title Ten money. In other words, abortion is really not health care. Abortion kills somebody. It kills a baby, sometimes the mother, hurts the mother, all kinds of things. So they have stopped the easy access to tax dollars to people who do abortions. So all of this is going on, and so people are saying, what? They can abort a baby up until the moment it's born, and that's legal in the United States. Most people don't know that. They think it's in the first week or two or first month. But babies are being aborted in America across this nation up to the moment they're born, and there's a big push to keep them dead if they are born alive. Well, I I got into a debate with someone over the, the New York State law. Now, I'm a native New Yorker, and I w- was one of the people that worked hard to get that personhood put in place, which now this new law has nullified. And I read the law, and they were telling me, oh, no, you can't abort the baby up to the moment 
text message, yes, you can, oh, yes, because you can, you can yes, have you can. that health care uh, right up there. And they said it, it's up between the person attending the, the mother and, and the health care provider. And they, and they said mental health. And they say mental health as yes. well as physical health. So she comes in, I've got a headache, it's too much pressure, I can't have this baby. Then they kill the baby. I mean, come on. The whole thing is health is not defined in the bill at all. It doesn't say health, it doesn't say physical, it doesn't say financial. It doesn't say any of that. So you can use any reason. Like my financial health is not bad, it's not good, so I don't want this baby. Could be a legal excuse. And what is even worse than this is that the health care provider that is doing the abortion is licensed under Title Eight of the New York State Licensing. Title Eight defines okay. a health care uh, provider, not just a doctor, not just a midwife or a nurse or a, a practitioner. It could be your pharmacist. It could be your physical therapist. It could be your yeah. veteran. They are all licensed health care providers under Title VIII in New York State law. So any, just about anyone could now perform that abortion. And that is the travesty and what the left does not want us to know about. Well, can I speak on this? Because I had two abortions and a miscarriage because my body was harmed because of the abortions when I tried to have additional children. I had a, a baby who was born, uh, and then a few uh, weeks, several weeks later, uh, my doctor did an abortion when I went for a checkup, saying I didn't need another baby. I didn't, I didn't want an abortion at that time, so that one happened. Then I was referred to Planned Parenthood, had another abortion, and then later a miscarriage. But see, once I became born again in 1983, and people began to explain to me that I had been lied to, that each one of those was not a blob of tissue, they were not a lump of flesh, each one was a baby, so when that was explained to me, I had this real terrible reaction. I was like, oh, my God, they were human beings, persons, people. And then in 1983, I'm born again. I asked God, I said, God, forgive me. I bought the lies. I, I, I believed it was to my advantage, and it was not because my body suffered as a result. So women have been lied to, tricked. Men have been lied to and have forgotten that that is their, half of their chromosomes and half of the mother's chromosomes. So we've been lied to, and I, when I say we, I don't mean just African-Americans. Of course, African-Americans have, because you've got eugenics and genocide mixed in there, because some people have thought forever, the less black people, the better. And so that's all mixed in with it as well. So th- it's time for these lies to be exposed and to admit that these are people. These are little people, little human beings in the womb. And... We are not separate races. We are one blood. Acts 17:26, of one blood, God made all people, made humanity. So we are ethnically different, culturally different sometimes, but we are human beings, all of us. We all believe Ms. the King. same. Man, these respect things. That's all. Yes. Miss Miss King. Amen. Let me yes. let me give you an example how ingrained this lie is. Um, I talked to a cousin of mine about a year ago about abortion, and I told her the story of Margaret Sanger and and how she wanted to um, get rid of the the black race and 
how Planned Parenthood was really, the black, you know, the black community, a You know, one race. Don't say black race. Want want to get rid of the black community because we're one race. Right. But go ahead. And and um and I explained all this to her, and in her mind, just like you said, they don't view their the fetus as a human being. And she was like, right. oh, well, I still think women should have the right, you know, because for, for convenience sake, because it's convenient. And I'm saying, you know, this is how far we have come as a nation because it's convenient we, do to not value, kill a human being. we do not value, yeah. we do not value life anymore. And it's I'm been like, ingrained, I, but we're one human race, you know. Martin Luther King said we must learn to live together as brothers and all that as sisters. Or parents together as fools. If we are separate races, we can't be brothers and sisters. But we're one race. We all believe the same. And we're not colorblind. Because I tell people, if you're colorblind, then you can forget everything that happened to me, the good and the bad. So, no, we're not going to accept this colorblind situation. We can see, and we know that injustice has been done. And we've been lied to. So we need to repent. You know, Father, in the name of Jesus, we've been lied to. Forgive us. We're sorry. We bought it. But now heal us. Change this thing. Turn it around. I think they ought to see that you know, movie it, about God's tell myself to really, yeah. really impact them. And then you got a new one out, I'm planned, oh. and then I'm the uh, executive producer of Roe v. Wade, the new Roe v. Wade movie. So all these movies oh. are coming about out, order of rights, and more and more songs and movies and documentaries. The truth is being told, and you're telling it right here on the blog airwaves, and that's very important as well. Oh, it is. It is. I, I mean, I cried when that New York State law passed, and right now there's laws in the books looking to pass in Louisiana, Florida, Ohio, Tennessee, New Mexico, Rhode Island, and more and more states are coming right. up. But in the opposite direction, there are states like Minnesota. Yep. But the states like mine, South Carolina, that is trying to pass the personhood so that we make it legal for abortions. Because if you think about this, since 1973, 60 million babies have been murdered in abortions. That would fill the 2019 Super Bowl stadium 860 times. All those people, and one of them could have had the cure for cancer. One of them may have been the returning messiah. One of them may have been the president yeah. of the United States. Yeah. I mean, these are our children, and we have thrown these lives away so carelessly. And the majority of babies being aborted, as you and Curtis are talking about, are black children. And yeah, they, the black they community, the black ethnic, the black culture. Absolutely. And, but what we need to do is contact these states that are trying to ram this uh, abortion up until birth and after birth and all of that. And we need to stop that and to push personhood and say this is a human being. A human being is a person, and we are not going for it. And we need to contact those folks that we've elected and put into office and remind them of that, too, and just say, okay, you do this, you will not be voted back in. That needs to happen. And it doesn't matter, Democrat or Republican, we've got to stop everybody. We should demand that everybody acknowledge that this is a person. Everybody, regardless of your party. Yeah, and as as one of my listeners in the chat room, Bigfoot, put in, is that 60 million is greater than the number of Jews killed in the Holocaust. It's 10 times. They killed 6 million in the Holocaust. 
this is a holocaust. I mean, if we lose a thousand people to the swine flu, we think it's an epidemic. But if you lose right. 60 million people, that's not an epidemic. But the eyes have to be open. And that's why I'm saying we can't say we're colorblind because Jesus gives sight to the blind. Messiah gives sight to the blind. So we have to uh, you know, continue to tell, uphold the truth. We must do that. Well, we also have to stop the moral decay in our society. Because right now, you thought the Girl Scouts were all good and nice and they're out there selling these cookies. Well, unfortunately, the Girl Scouts have now partnered with Planned Parenthood. And they're teaching these girls, you know, that abortion is okay. So we've got to get a hold of these Girl Scout units and protest them. You can't do that. I mean, first off, why are you even teaching our girls? These are underage. This is up to the parent and the healthcare provider to educate these girls as to what is available. Not the Girl Scouts, but they want to empower the yeah. girls so that they can do whatever they want with their bodies and it, to heck with the outcome. That's right, and they're pushing that very seriously. And as you mentioned, the Girl Scout cookies, at one point there was some thought that they have something called flavonance. And they're like your old, it used to be vanilla extract, abstract, Arnold, I mean almond extract, all that kind of thing. But uh, it was proven at one point they began to make a little flavor enhancer that they put in certain beverages and certain sweeteners and different things that had some of the little embryo uh, in it. They really did. They call them flavoring. I don't know if they still use it, but there was one at one period uh, it was hinted that some of that was even in those Girl Scout cookies. So just kind of Google that because I know some people listening, that's going to sound far-fetched that they were doing this, but they definitely were putting it in makeup. You know, when they had that big thing about only natural products, no animal products are in your uh, moisturizer and your makeup, that also included little uh, fetal remains were in some of the uh, enhancers. Sandra Bullock used something. Uh, that was that had that in it, and she was on uh, the Ellen show one time talking about it and how it really did make her face look better. And it was little baby body parts that were put into that cream. So it's all that is seeping into our minds, our food, our makeup, just all kinds of things. I don't want to sound too extreme because people would say, oh, this is science fiction, and that's not true. But you kind of go and research it, people. All of this is being done to little people in the womb and now out of the womb. They dehumanize us, and then if you dehumanize the individual, then that person is expendable. And that is what they have done. They have given us the mindset that we are expendable. And why is it that PETA is more concerned about animals than about children? If you're worried about life... Wouldn't you be worried about all life? If you're a vegan and you don't want to see an animal killed because you won't eat meat, then why aren't you out there protesting Planned Parenthood? Because that's a life. I mean, if if, if an animal life is more important than a human, then they have dehumanized us. They have taken away our humanity, and thus we are expendable. We're an it. Like in Obamacare, we are a unit. We're not a patient. We're not an individual. They call us a unit because we are expendable. 
and the, and that the moral decay of our even, society. And you didn't mention even with the illegal immigration, because we do support immigration. Everybody here is an immigrant. You know, from generations back, we came over on the slave boats or the uh, other kind of boats and ships and various things. But what has been said, and I really, you did not ask me about this, but a lot of those girls are being raped when they come through in their legal passage, and they're aborting, giving them abortions, free abortions. I don't know if people know that. But they go through all kinds of things to get over here. When they come illegally, there's no protection. There's nothing overseeing them and making sure that they arrive and get placed and all of that. And so the abortion meals down on those borders are just raking up cash, too. I don't know if people know that, but they are. Well, there was recently a court case in Texas where an underage illegal alien uh, pregnant wanted the abortion. And because she was underage and she didn't have a garden with her, it was being denied. So she got an attorney, went to court, sued, and was provided for that abortion. Yeah, it is happening. And a number of women and young girls... So, you know... We had on the show at one point a couple of years back a young girl that she was the, the offspring of a rape, and she wrote a book about it, um, Dawn Stefanik. And uh, years later, she found out that she was child of a rape, and it really bothered her to mess up her mind. But eventually, she reached out to her birth mom, and believe it or not, they reunited because her mom gave birth to her rather than having the abortion. They reunited and had a beautiful mother and daughter relationship up until her mother's death. So a child of rape is still a a viable baby. So if you don't want it, let's put it for adoption. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry that you were the victim of a crime, but that that child is not the crime. The child was a victim. The fact that you were assaulted. The victim of rape or incest needs love, care, compassion, help. We need to find the the person that did it. And that's the other thing. A lot of times, the people, who, especially incest, they are continuing to get the girls pregnant, go get them their abortion, and take them back and keep doing it. And people don't know that, too. So that's evidence. When that child is born and there, that's evidence of where that child came from. So there are so many things, and the the lady needs to be healed not to have her body and the little girl, her body subjected subjected over and over to the rape abortion, rape abortion, rape abortion. No, no. That's that's so cruel to the mother and the child. No, there's such a shame. Well, we do have a caller in on the line. Let me bring this person in. Uh, Area code 513, you're on the air live with Southern Sense. Our guest is Dr. Alavita King. To whom am I speaking? You're speaking to Joel. Hello, hello. Are are you guys there? Yes, we are. You have a question for Dr. King? Um, I have a question for both of you. I'm I'm in the bathtub right now, and I've just jammed my big toe inside of the faucet. Okay. Sorry about that. You know, you're doing something right when you get trolled by the left. <laughs> it's my New Year's resolution that a piss off one liberal a day. <laughs> I think I succeeded. Yeah. Oh man. But 
Oh, I know that you do have to go. You've got a very busy schedule. I want to thank you for joining us today. Um, it's always a pleasure to have you on. You do such marvelous work. And I'm going to tell people to go to your website, which is priestforlife.org, and check out all the hard work you do. Well, thank you, and God bless everybody. And remember, it's not us and them as far as liberal and conservative or Republican, Democrat. Everybody, we got to get this thing right across the aisles across the skin color. We're one human race, and let's work on this and get, and resolve this thing. We've got to do it. So thank you so much. Dr. King. Thank you very um, much, and God somebody bless told you. Me to tell, somebody asked me to tell you hello, and that was K. Carl Smith. Hello. Okay. Well, thank you, and <laughs> God bless you. Until next time. Thank you. Okay. All right. All right. Dr. Bye-bye. All right, uh, Dr. Elvita King, check her out at her website, which is priestforlife.com. We're waiting for our next guest uh, to call in. So I don't know if you had anything uh, up there that you wanted to talk about. Well, hopefully we will not get another troll. I kind of suspected that was a troll call. These guys must have nothing better to do (laughs) than to call in with these little pranks. Calls, but, but anyway, <laughs> yeah. But as you know, I recently yeah. wrote an article about abortion, and um, I think a good way to get to um, those who profess to be Christians on the left is to somehow get them to see how what what they practice in religion um, is. Contrary goes contrary to what they vote for when it comes to politics. You know, in other words, you know, most blacks, Christians are, you know, conservative at heart. They family oriented, but they support a party, political party, party that um, that supports abortion and a lot of other things that go against, you know, um, the word of God. So. That is what I'm going to focus on this year when I go to speak. You know, I'm going to address that issue and try to get these folks aware because a lot of them don't know, you know, because, see, the Democrat Party is so fractured. It's made up different groups, and they're all victimized, you know, of course. But um, they don't realize that those people out there that are supporting abortion or supporting um, environmental issues and this and that and the other, come under the um, Democrat umbrella. So, you know, they really don't know until you make them aware of these things. So that's what my article was about, and I think that's a good way to um, awaken some of these Christians on the left, you know, to let them know that their their religion does not match, you know, the party, political party, and policies that they vote for. That's all I want to say. Well, that's, that's, why, you, that's why you used that's why you see a lot of these Christian churches splitting, such as mine, the Anglican Church, splitting away from the Episcopal, because they want the more liberal, where they will perform same-sex marriage, where abortion is okay. The same things happened in the Methodist Church also. They've split. You have the conservative branch and the liberal branch. Again, you know, we want to be all-inclusive. Yes, we welcome the sinner, but we will not help you commit the sin. And they don't get that. We have no problem with you coming in and worshiping with us, but we will not support your sin. If you come, you're going to come and join our faith, yes, and be biblically 
correct, scripturally correct. Right. But, and you're seeing denomination after denomination splitting down the middle where we have conservative branch and a liberal branch. And they will change the Bible. And in some cases, there's so much as taking out gender out of the Bible. <laughs> How do you do that? Taking gender out of even prayer. You know, God is no longer the father. God is a Z. I don't know what they're going to call him. You know, it, 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 they're bending everything to fit their desires rather than bending themselves to fit God's desire. They're bending everything well, to match what they think. Yeah. They water down a lot of things and um, to the point where it's diluted. You know, you you can't make heads or tail of it if you don't know better. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of the, the followers of that socialist and progressive uh, mindset, they have no clue, you know, what's going on. They're just, you know, they're going along with the program because their buddies, their families, all of them have been supporters of the Democrat Party and progressive um, ideas and policies throughout their lives. And, and that's why I think we, we have to awaken these people. And I think we we have to a degree because a lot of people are coming to um, the side of um, conservatism. You know, the polls show that as much as they hammered Donald Trump the past two years, he's at 50 percent. And that's what everything, I mean, going against this man, just think where he would be if he had the support of um, Congress on both sides of the aisles. And, um, you know, he wasn't being denigrated. And, and, and accused of this and that and other every day. And he's still at 50%. So I, I see progress. I see some hope. I hope so. I hope so. I'm trying to see if I can um, get a hold of our, our next guest and having a little bit of a hard time finding his his information oh, yeah. here. Huh. I know it. I know I put it in here. So... See if we can get a hold of him and see if I can get him to call in. And I apologize for this. You know, everything's not working too well today. <laughs> oh, well, man. I apologize, folks. You know, today is Friday. I spoke, I spoke to this. Yeah, well, I spoke to this guy just a, a couple of days ago, and everything was uh, A OK. Probably forgot. Um, well, I also, I also want to mention that. You know, this thing, this rift between the um, old wing of the Democrat Party versus the new progressive um, socialist wing is pretty interesting because I really don't think Nancy Pelosi has a hold, you know, over the party as she, as she would like to portray that she does. You know, I mean, you got these, these um, young and these fire, fire brands coming into um, the Democrat Party. And they pretty much sucking up all the oxygen on that side of the aisle as far as media and um, um, the messaging that, that that's being put out by their party. And it's not all the time aligned with what, you know, Nancy Pelosi, I believe, and, and some of those others in, in leadership roles would like, you know, for their party to um, to be represented as. So it's going to be an interesting um next 
year and a half, whatever, of campaigning on that side. And I really can't wait till the um, debates begin on that side. I think by that time, they may have just as many of um, candidates as um, Donald Trump had to go against when he um, campaigned as a candidate. So we'll see. We'll see. And um, I still believe we're going to kick their butts. But um, time will tell. You know, it's funny because J.P. Sloan wrote in the chat room. Thank you for the postings, J.P. Uh, and Mike. Um, he wrote that Jesus walked the earth. There were 220 million people on earth. Since the 1970s, we have killed around 60 to 70,000 babies. Actually, it was 60 million babies that have been killed, which would be yeah. more than one-fourth. Can you imagine how much of a population that has destroyed and he also said the government is giving pregnancy tests to girls 10 years old and older that are coming across the border. Uh, this is a crisis, wow. guys. And it is. Nancy is wrong. Fancy Nancy Pelosi is wrong. You know, it, this is a <laughs> crisis. And because it's not directly in her backyard, it's not affecting her directly, then you, know, you don't have to worry about it. It never does seem to affect yeah. those uh, those who are affluent, you know, and in power. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to send uh, his agent. Oh, okay. <laughs> little message. I apologize, guys. It just, I had this planned out. Hopefully I can get somewhere along the way because I sent her a text, sent him a text. Now try an email, see if that works. Anyway, he was supposed to be talking about limited government, uh, the national debt. Oh, the subpoenas that went out. This, that, was 81 of them I don't know if anyone like that. This, 81 subpoenas. Now, if this is an abuse of their congressional powers, and maybe someone can tell me where it is in the Constitution that it says that Congress has the oversight of the executive branch. I thought it was supposed to be checks and balances. But well, she's supposed acting to be that she is trouble. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to be co-equal right? throughout, you know. And um, exactly. first of all, Congress is not an investigative, you know, organization. You know, they can subpoena people and whatnot, but they, they really have no investigative um, powers. That's that's why we had the FBI. Um, if they had a complaint or whatever, they should get the FBI involved but or a special counsel. Oh, I, I forgot we just had one of those for the last two years now. Mm-hmm. And I guess that, that didn't amount to much. I guess they feel like, well, we're going to cast so wide a net that we, we're bound to pick up something that's going to stick and bring this president down. And as we all know, that's what they're that's what they're up to. You know, there's nothing specific that they can state right now that they're going after. They're just fishing. It's a fishing expedition. Yeah. In order to do an investigation, then a crime has to have been committed. So right. Show me the crime. Show me the crime. Instead, they're looking for a crime. They're on a hunting, as you said, a hunting expedition. They're doing this, as my friend Mike Cutler says, bass aquas. 
It's completely backwards. You know, well, if, you, if the murder is committed, then you do an investigation. If there's bribery, then you do an investigation. But show me where a crime has actually been committed. They went after Richard Nixon because a crime was committed. That was the burglary, the break-in, and then the subsequent cover-up. Actual crimes were committed, and that was appropriate. But show me an actual crime. I, I, I don't see one. I don't see there one at no. all. They tried collusion. That didn't work. They didn't work with collusion. And now they're just going after anyone and everyone. And um, who is that? Cuccinelli. And they're hoping that it's the... uh, he. Yeah, uh, Cuccinelli, who worked on Trump's campaign, um, not in the White House, on the campaign, on the campaign, the, um, he testified twice. Testified twice before Congress. Then he gets a reporter, calls him on the phone, and asks him about the subpoena that was just served on him. And it's like, what subpoena? I didn't get a subpoena. That is how mm-hmm. he found out there was a subpoena. So he got a hold of his attorney, and the two of them sat down, and he told them to take a flying you-know-what in the wind. And it looks like we do have our next guest in on the line. A little late, but yeah, we'll forgive him. Let's welcome car. aboard uh, the, the president of America. Yep. Americans for Limited Government, Rick Manning. Good afternoon, Rick. How are you? Rick, you with us? Oh, dropped out. Area code 704? Oh, dropped out. All right. I don't know what happened. Hopefully they'll, they'll, they'll call in. Call but, back know, in. That's what we need to the other 81 people that got these subpoenas, and it's not just people, it's uh, organizations too. All of them get together, sit down and say, we're going to give Nancy Pelosi the bird. We're going to do an Eric Holder and ignore the subpoena. What are they going to do? They're going to send in the Capitol Police yeah. to arrest them? They can't. They don't have the power for arrest. They don't have nope. that legal power to arrest a citizen. So well, I'm hoping the, that the, the White House just uh, I'm hoping they fight this. I'm hoping Trump, you know, doesn't give in and doesn't cooperate with them because he has no reason to. I mean, if I was him, I would just keep hammering the fact that look, you guys just spent what sixty million or whatever to investigate me through the the, the Mueller probe, and you got nothing on me, you know. So it's obvious that you guys are just you know, on a, a witch hunt, you know, and I would just keep hammering that. And I think more and more Americans are going to start seeing Donald Trump as being a victim, even though, you know, he doesn't proclaim to be one, but we, we're going to be sympathetic to what's going on to this man, you know, especially in light of um, strong economy, uh, people going back to work and, um, you know, our military, it's being rebuilt, and, and our prestige around the world is being re, re, you know, reclaimed, redefined, and and I, I think people, the American people, are smart enough to see that um, we're in a better place now than we were like three or four or five years ago, and they're not going to stand for this. And, and I do believe. Well, you know what happened in and. When uh, Trump was um, voted in, I think it's going to happen again. It's going to be a lot of people who are going to vote for Trump who will not say 
right now that they're going to vote for him because they don't want the backlash. Well, what they're trying to do with these investigations, the very thing they did to uh, Flynn, they find a weak spot and exploit it on him. And the weak spot was his son and forced him to plead guilty. And in pleading guilty, have him turn on someone else. Well, Flynn didn't turn on someone else. This is what they're trying to do to Roger Stone and Jerome Corsi. And both of them said, we're not turning. We're not giving you any names. We're not going to lie. And Jerome Corsi said this on TV. He says, I am not going to lie before God. I know what the truth is, and I will stand by it. You will not force me to lie. I will not lie before God. And that's what these 80 other, 81 other people mm. have to do. Don't bend to them. Do not lie. Stand by your truth and fact and just ignore the subpoenas. Now, um, uh, uh, the guy I was just talking about, the one that said he's not going to answer the subpoena, he said every single time he did appear, it cost him $20,000. You know, Roger Stone oh, is going broke just trying to cover his legal cost. You know, they're, they're mm-hmm. trying to bankrupt Jerome Corsi. So if they cannot get you to turn, then they will ruin you financially and take away your ability to speak. Because Roger Stone now has a gag order and Jerome Corsi is under investigation, they've lost their platform of their conservative message. So if they can't shut you up one way, they will find another way to shut you up, which is they're doing quite effectively. Have you heard a peep out of Flynn since you know his debacle oh, no. and his rule? No. No. You hear, hear nothing from him. And they're going one after another. And they said something like there were 85, 85 uh, 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 indictments from the Mueller investigation. Yeah, the largest portion of those indictments were Russians that will never come to the United States. They're laughing at the Congress. They go, inside us, we don't care. Yeah. We have no reason to go to the United States. We can go anywhere else in the world. You can't touch us. And they're right. No, go ahead, Curtis. I was going to say, I think the tide is starting to turn, and I think we can see it in the judge um, that um, sentenced, um, what is it, Paul Manafort? Um, you know, Mueller's people wanted this guy to get anywhere from 20 to 30 to 40 years, but he only got like 40-something months, four years. So I think, you know, even that judge said that they were overreaching, you know. And then there was another case, I can't remember what it is, where um, they came down on um, hard on the left in their pursuit of so-called justice. But um, a lot of people can see what's going on, and they see through it. And we're finally getting to, you know, some of these cases to judges who, you know, are on the side of um, the United States Constitution. And um, that's a good thing to see. That gives me hope. All right, uh, his age just texted me back, and I, I think that was the number I called. All right, I'm going to see if I can try to get him again. Okay. And, uh, well. All right, well, she just sent him a note, so hopefully he will call in in a few minutes. Um Hopefully we can get him to do that. I clear this out. I, I apologize for the confusion. Hopefully he'll call in. 
Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, she's still very much alive. Uh, for um, there's questions about she's her health. She's still around. She has been, <laughs> yeah, she's still around. Yeah, we cannot get rid of her just yet. So <laughs> we wish we could, but <laughs> not yet. Yeah. Not yet. All right. So I'm gonna just try to see if I can send one well, more chance to try Trump. to contact. If and when yeah. Trump gets another four Trump. years, I think she's going to retire, and maybe a few others on the left. I mean, maybe even some on the um, the right may retire, so somebody younger get in there. I mean, somebody like Clarence Thomas, I think he's been there since the 90s. So he may be considering retiring, knowing that, you know, he'll be replaced by a conservative. And you just never know. But I think we're going to see a, a change. Gonna in... go anywhere. I don't think Clarence Thomas is going to go anywhere soon. I hope so. Not. No, I, I, hope I think. Not. It... But this no. would be a good opportunity so, to but... replace a lot of people, you know, and with with somebody that's going to be around a lot longer, in other words, into the future. Because eventually the Democrats are going to get back in power. They're going to probably put some people on the Supreme Court. But hopefully we'll have them so outnumbered, you know, that they put one or two and they will still lead by seven, you know, seven, you know, yeah, judgeships. absolutely. Absolutely. But uh, this, the, the subpoena palooza, it's, and what they're doing is with these subpoenas, you're not paying attention to the FISA warrants. You're not paying attention to the Green New Deal Everyone's now talking about the subpoenas, and they're going to try to quietly pass through this Green New Deal resolution. It's not enforceable, thankfully. It'll never reach Trump's desk. He'll toss it in the can faster than anything. But the fact they'll have a resolution out there on the floor that at a later date, under a Democratic president, they can pull out of the drawer and say, hey, listen, we've got a Democratic House, we've got a Democratic Senate, and we've got a Democratic president. Let's pass this. Let's make it an actual bill and pass it. So, folks, watch what they're doing. Watch what they're doing. And they're going to try to pull a fast one. While you're looking at the magician at one hand, you're not seeing what the other hand is doing. And they're going to pull that rabbit out of the hat. So you've got to be wary. Fortunately, my congressman now is a Democrat, Birkin Cunningham. Oh, and as uh, Sound, as uh, J.P. Sloan in the uh, Facebook chat said, you know, uh, the chief of Stalin's secret police, Abera, had said at one point, "Show me the man, and I'll show you the crime." And that's exactly what they're doing with these subpoenas. Show me the man, and they'll show you a crime. They'll come up with something. You know, as they're trying to go after Jerome Corsi for not remembering something. I mean, come on, the guy's in his seventies. I, you, I forget things. I sometimes walk into a room and forget why I walked into the room. Yeah. That doesn't but mean one thing that, that it was perjury. No intent. One thing our side, one thing our side has gone for it is that um, most of what they're looking for has nothing to do with Trump's current um, role in the presidency. You know, this is stuff that's before he became a candidate. So, there's really no constitutional ground that they are standing on when it comes to impeachment of this guy, no. you know. They're subpoenaing his, his income his, tax records. 
Yeah, they're going after his income tax records. They're going after his business records. They're going after his children. They're going after any and every business transaction. And they are just <laughs> trying to shut it down. They, it's, it's yeah, like, they should make that a crime. It's like somebody's a, they should like make somebody that crime upset. It's got to be here somewhere. The evidence got to be here. I know it's here. <laughs> That's the mindset that they have. <laughs> I know it's here. <laughs> yeah, but what's what's the crime? What is the crime? You know, he's uh, Trump's taxes have been audited, and then the, whatever's going on, the, of course, his attorneys are saying don't release them. Oh, but wait a minute, New Jersey may keep President Trump off of the national ballot because they're passing a law in New Jersey that any candidate filing for, I believe it's House, Senate, and President must submit their tax returns. They must submit to, I don't know what office in in New Jersey or the election office or whatever, but they have to make them public in order to become a candidate on the ballot. Hmm. Oh, yeah. They, you think might keep someone they, like probably wrangle the ballot? <laughs> and, you know, Trump, he will he will fight that in the courts, and he'll win. He'll win. And what, what did you think of um, Fox News being cut out of the debates, Democratic, you know, debates? It goes to show just how petty the leadership of the Democratic National Committee is, Perez, Tom Perez. You know, it, how petty that is. And you've got several um, hosts over at Fox News, someone like Juan Williams, who is no conservative. It would be friendly to the Democratic candidates on the stage that you could ask to moderate it. And then you get someone in like uh, Shepard Smith, who is wishy-washy all over the place. And then you can throw in a conservative, maybe someone like Chris Wallace, who is fair and even. I mean, you can put together a three-person panel on Fox News. And Fox News is not all conservative. I don't conservative you you think it is. You always got Geraldo. You always got Geraldo. Oh, yeah. That's good for a chair flying across the room. <laughs> right? <laughs> when he oh, has yeah. A TV show, chairs were flying across the room. Looks like our guest is not calling in. Oh, my goodness. I'm, I'm, I'm batting a thousand today. It's just one of those days. Yeah. So I apologize, folks. We had a great lineup, and I spoke to Rick uh, Manning just a couple of days ago, and he was enthusiastic. So I have to find out once we get off the air what is going on here. And see if we can get him back at a later date. But just have to put that aside. In the meanwhile, we're going to have Ann McElhinney and Carla. That it. I cannot talk today. Today uh, should Mc, be called. How do you pronounce short. that? McKinney? Mc, McKinney? I can't even pronounce it. But I would love to see this Gosnell movie. I I want to see it, and I'm not sure where I can go to see it. I might have to just wait for it to come out on DVD Um, or Netflix. If you've got got it on demand or you have it on Netflix, you can buy it at Wally World, Walmart, or you can go to their website, which is Gosnell Movie, and purchase the DVD. And I'm holding the DVD in my hand, and in two weeks... Uh, about a week and a half, we have our tea party meeting, and I'm going to screen it for the tea party. And I've also offered it up to my church if they want to screen it too. 
So I like the movie purchase. Out there. Um, so, I like to purchase maybe like sixteen to twenty of them and give them out to um, like like people that I know, like my cousin, who think it's just a, a matter of convenience. You know, when it comes to abortion, give it to people like that. You know, for their birthday or Christmas or something. <laughs> uh, golly, they just don't know what what the world is about. Sometimes I think. What's that term? They snooker. I think a lot of them have been snookered. I don't know if that's a New York term or what, but snooker. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, they're fooled. Hoodwinked, snookered. Yeah, we um, say bamboozled. Yeah, snooker. Is, uh, I don't know what... Um, even forgot what our phone number here is. At, yeah, three, six... I just sent over to Carla see if I can get her because I know Ann McElhinney, uh should be calling in shortly. She only has like about 10 minutes uh, because she's running in between uh, interviews and stuff. Really busy oh. lady and she's got her hands full. So hopefully Carla should be calling in very shortly. Uh, she has, as I said, her own radio show on a Fox affiliate. So if she's not tied up with the news, then we should have her on. But we're batting at that about a thousand. But we did have Dr. King on, which was good. <laughs> Yeah, eventually. Anyway. <laughs> we got her on. <laughs> but um, so you think um, uh, Uncle Joe Biden is going to get in the race? Good old Uncle Joe Biden. I I, I think he might. I honestly do think he might. Uh, I know Bloomberg said no. So that's one down. Um, what's going to happen, okay. I don't know. You know Bernie's up there. He's, he's all revved up. The people are hyped up. I think last time he ran... He had a, a rally last night, and he was in the same spot. And he had like about twenty people in the whole place. Uh, this time, he had it packed. I, the idea of socialism to some people is so attractive, but they don't know the truth behind socialism. The same way they lie to people about abortion, they're lying to them about socialism. And socialism kills, kills. It's slavery. It is enslavement. You're taking from someone the goods and services of the individual and giving it to someone else who doesn't deserve it. And that is slavery. Meanwhile, we do have Carla here on the line. Let's bring her in with the computer working. Hi, Carla. How are you doing today? Hi, Anne. I'm doing so well. Thank you so much for having me this Friday afternoon. Oh, it is our pleasure. Uh, we just had can Dr. You hear me? King on just a little while ago. Yeah, we can hear you. Hear you loud and clear. We just had Dr. King on just a little while ago, and we're waiting for Anne to call in uh, because okay. we're talking yeah. about the Gosnell movie. Oh, yeah. We're talking about the Gosnell movie, and I got the DVD right here with me. Uh, my husband and I watched it. We downloaded it on. Uh, oh, good lord! I just uh, on demand because we've got uh, Dish on TV, demand. so we went up on demand, and for five ninety nine, we rented the movie. People can do that right now. They go on to Netflix. And the movie is is absolutely awesome. It is so well it is. done, it's so amazing. professional. My my husband and I said that's an independent. That is how good that the Anne and film are. Oh yeah, 
It, it's a um, five-star movie. It's excellent and so truthful. I mean, I don't think they shared all of the gruesome details, but I think that it showed enough of the horrors and the truth, the truth of abortion. You know that I live about 30 minutes outside of Philadelphia, and at the time, actually, we lived only about five blocks from Gosnell's house of horrors because my husband was studying at university of Penn and I was working for Penn as an occupational therapist. And we lived in university city and 3801 is West Philly, 3801 Lancaster Avenue. And that's where he had his, his clinic. Um, and it was horrifying. I, I remember reading all of the reports. Of course it wasn't blown up the way that it should have been, right? This should have been national news for months. And I think that they kept it very quiet you didn't hear a lot about Gosnell and the women that had died during his late-term abortions and all of the babies um, that were found uh, late-term, so pretty much completely um, formed, you know, their hands, their legs, their lungs, and sitting in glass jars and in the freezer and Ziploc bags. And it was just very, very devastating. And it was really a call to action for many of us that have always been a part of the pro-life community. And it's unfair, isn't it, that these uh, abortion clinics do not have to have the same criteria or standards as a dentist's office or a chiropractor's office or as a hospital. And that's why you see them dirty, filthy. And that's why you see, um, well, women dying in uh, that, that clinic at 3801. And it's mind-blowing that in the state of New York right now, if God now was doing what he was doing there, he would be walking a free man because infanticide is, is legal there. now. Actually, it's not even legal. They're celebrating infanticide in the state of New York. And as you know, Cuomo said that you don't even need to be an abortionist to do this. You can be a nurse practitioner, a physician's assistant, or even a uh, midwife, which I, I think is very frightening. I think we're going to see a lot of uh, uh, an increased mortality rate for women. Can you hear me? Yeah. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah. It's actually worse than that. Oh, yeah, we got you. It's yeah. actually worse than that because we were discussing this earlier because I read the bill, and I lived in New York when we finally got passed into law, the personhood, uh, where if a child dies, a woman who was pregnant, loses the child in the commission of a crime, that would be an additional count of murder. Uh, that bill not took away and nullified all of personhood. But the abortionists that can now practice under Title Eight of the New York Licensing Law, it can be anyone that is a health care provider, including your physical therapist, your pharmacist, your veteran. All you have to do is be Licensed under Title Eight of New York State law, and those are all under Title Eight. That you is scary. You have to ask yourself now. the question. You can have- it is. You have to ask yourself the question. These people, the Democrats, the left, claim that they are championing for women's rights as they are allowing people to perform late-term abortions. That is frightening to do, even for a licensed doctor to do. I don't like to call abortionist doctors. I think that's an oxymoron for an abortionist to do. I didn't realize that that was under Title Eight. did you say? Yes. Unbelievable. Yeah. You just educated me. So <laughs> it's very dark. Um, you know, we had a big fundraiser here uh, 
right in 2012 when I believe he was sentenced. Um, we had a, a big fundraiser right here on Broad Street. Susan B. Anthony List came in. Um, many of us partnered. We had a, a big fundraiser at the Union League there just to educate people on what was happening right there in the city of brotherly love, no less, um, to our Philadelphia citizens with Gosnell. So you know that now um, there is a pro-life organization that is now housing, um, that is now using that area. So it is now, it's been redeemed, it's being used for good. 3801 is now being used to really help women and families and children. So that's the exciting news. I think there's always a silver lining around all of the doom and gloom that the other side likes to bring to us. You know, the silver lining around the infanticide bill is that I have never had more conversations, civil conversations, about the culture of life movement ever before than than when that passed. Because I think that the left cannot, and, and, the, and the pro-abortion movement, they can't hide their agenda anymore. They have always been anti-woman. They have always been anti-kid. Um, I believe that if we don't stop infanticide, they're going to have moms who have babies that are a year old, maybe two years old, that decide that they're not emotionally um, capable of caring for their one- or two-year-old. So, you know, it is okay to drown them in the tub, or it is okay to just let them walk around and get lost, leave them out in the field somewhere. I'm telling you that this is coming because it's already happening in other countries that do not value life. Uh, Look at China. When women have babies or if they can't afford the child anymore, they do just let that six-month-old out in the elements. They find babies that are frozen to death. So, And there's also been a history of cultures that have not valued life and they walk the babies down to the Ganges River and they drown their babies. So I'm telling you, this is a huge wake up call to the United States of America that our country, our families, our citizens deserve more than a culture of death. We're going to stand up and fight for a culture of life and we want to leave a legacy of a culture of life. And I really feel compelled, as, as you know, to focus on life now. We know that the doom and gloom is happening. We know it. And we could talk also, you guys, about the um, Infant Born Alive bill that was just shot down about 10 days ago, where we had um, every one of the Demo-presidential candidates vote against allowing a child that survives an abortion to be able to have life. They prefer watching that child gasp for their final breath on the table where they were just delivered and survived an abortion. I don't know if there's anything more barbaric, uncivilized than that. I mean, it's very Nazi-esque, very Nazi-esque. We wouldn't do this to a puppy dog. We would not allow this. The left would be irate and they would be smashing windows if we were um, not allowing the Puppy Born Alive Act to pass. Am I right? I was discussing exactly this earlier. Where are the people from PETA? If an animal's life is so precious and important, why isn't a human baby so precious and important? It's that is really, exactly what um, we are talking about. And it's really we, we backwards. We do have Anne with us now. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah, we do have Hi. Anne. Hi, there. Hi, Anne. How are you doing today? 
I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Good to, good to talk to you guys. Good to have yeah, you. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, it's great to have you. I've been waving my Gosnell uh, DVD around on the TV camera so people know that it's out there, that they can purchase it over at Walmart. Oh, they you. can get it at Netflix. They can get it at On Demand or by going to Gosnell Movie website where there's a link here on the show page directly to uh, Gosnell the Movie. So they can go directly yeah. to it and buy it directly from you. Exactly. Everywhere except for Netflix. Uh, not Netflix, but yeah. But video on demand, it's on Amazon, it's Walmart, um, all, those, all those platforms that you, that you mentioned. Exactly. I was exactly. mentioning, Anne, before you, I don't know if you heard me say that. Oh, go ahead. No, finish up, please. There's two ends. So. I was just saying. And one or oh, there's two. That is true. That is true. I just realized that. Um, I was in Philadelphia when Gosnell's House of Horrors was busted. And I recall the alarming, um, you know, the, the weight, the atmosphere in Philadelphia at the time. We were shocked. It wasn't a national story. Everyone in Philadelphia was talking about it. It was horrifying what they discovered in there. And I was sharing that we had a fundraiser um, a couple of years after that just to kind of keep the um, awareness alive that this was happening right in our backyard. Oh, yeah. It's, it, and, and well done you because, I mean, it's extraordinary, you know, that, that this incredible thing happened and so few people knew about it. Luckily with the movie now, about a half a million people saw the movie in theaters and at least, you know, at, at least half a million have seen it on VOD and have, have been buying the, the, the DVD. So, you know, people are finding out eventually. And obviously with, with all the news out of, you know, out of West Virginia with Governor Northam and the, the law changing in New York and Vermont, and, 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 and this issue is becoming, you know, center, it's going to be the central issue for the 2020 election. I agree with you. I think oh, it's going to be one of the... Yes, I agree. You know, and I think it was amazing to yeah, hear, and, you know, to hear the president in the State of the Union <clears throat> so clearly articulate his position on abortion. And, you know, for us, what was, what was extraordinary about Governor Northam, what was really amazing, was he, the reason we did this movie in the first place, the whole reason was because when Karen Fusilin, the OBGYN who gave evidence during the Gosnell trial, took to the stand and was asked what would happen if a baby was born alive during an abortion. And she said, well, you know, as a human being, you'd want to keep it warm. Eventually it will pass. And she described all of that as comfort care, where you neglect a baby to death. And we heard that and we thought, oh, my God, that's legal. And no one arrested her. And, and, you know, we were just extraordinary. We just couldn't believe that. And we thought that was the whole reason we made the movie. We made the whole movie because of comfort care. And then Governor Northam talked about making a baby comfortable. Um, and when we heard it, you know, it was like, you know, news to a lot of people, not news to us. But I, I think it's really helpful. And I think um, Governor Northam has actually done this country some service by focusing the minds of people on what's already legal, what's already legal in America, in many parts of the country, where this is what happens. Um, and I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm very encouraged by the idea of this becoming a central issue in the 2020 election, because this is the one thing that Planned Parenthood don't want. They don't want people talking about it. They don't want people knowing what's already law, that there's abortion already, up to nine months, and that infanticide is already legal. Um, 
you know, so I think this is, this, this is good. It's good to talk and it's good to enlighten people. You know, the light is, the darkness is the problem. Um, and that's really why we wrote the book and why we made the movie, because people now are finding this stuff out. And we get people all the time saying, I didn't know. Like, it's literally the words that were used about the Holocaust. I didn't know. Well, people need to know. And, and when they know, they don't like it. Well, and I, I agree with you. I think that the reason that they don't know is because Planned Parenthood refuses to talk about this. They've stolen yeah. the language since 1973 by calling themselves pro-choice. They're not pro-choice. They're pro-abortion. I mean, claim it. I'd be proud of it if that's what you are. You're pro-abortion. There's no pro-choice. Are they pushing adoption? Are they pushing yeah. foster care? No. Yeah. They are pushing. Are they pushing abstinence? Pro-choice means pro abortion. If that's who you are, say it. The reason that they don't say it, it's because they know everything that goes behind it. It is barbaric. It's uncivilized. We know that at 19 weeks, that baby can feel pain. And again, we wouldn't do this to a dog. And so, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that this is, it's been great for me. I've had more healthy conversations about this than ever, ever before. You know, usually mm-hmm. people would say, listen, I would never have an abortion. However, I don't want to take away the woman's choice. Now they're realizing it's not a choice. You're, you're taking away um, the woman's – it's not even that you're taking away a woman's right to anything. You're giving the right to a baby. You're giving the right to a baby. Which has its own DNA, has its own fingerprints, has its own blood, has its own um, heartbeat. I mean, this is its own person. And I see the way it's going to be eight years old for 800 months that you may walk on this earth. Please give nine months to the baby. And then adoption has never been so easy. Open-ended adoption has never been so easy. Or even keeping a child has never been so easy. But so there's many, many options, and it's only nine months. And my goodness, for late term, you've already done the hard work. You've already grown and been big and had the morning sickness, and now you want to kill the baby at seven months, eight months, nine months? It yeah. doesn't even make think- sense. No, absolutely. And I have funny, there's a, there's a very good, a very good Irish writer called John Waters who says, you know, I'm not, I, you know, I don't like being called pro-life. I'm pro-baby, you know, and I think, I think that'd be a nice way to, you know, people should say, I'm, well, I'm actually pro-baby really, actually. That's why I'm very yeah. strong. I feel strongly about the babies that are involved here. You know, as you say, pro-choice and this bastardization of the language, taking away constantly trying to talk, not talk about abortion, Planned Parenthood. You know, no, why don't we talk about abortion? Use the word abortion. Uh, you know, we had that experience yeah. with the movie. We tried to advertise on NPR, and they wouldn't allow us to describe Kermit Gosnell as an abortion doctor. And the funny, the funny thing is that when NPR managed to eventually do news stories about Kermit Gosnell, they called him an abortion doctor. So we were using their own words. And yet they didn't want us to use that in an advertisement. And the New York Times wouldn't take our money. The Facebook wouldn't take our money, wouldn't allow us to advertise. So incredible. Um, you know, this is, this is a huge effort to not uh, allow information to get to people because when people get the information, they are changed by it. I mean, we have, we have like just the most amazing stories. I feel like I could write a book about people who've seen the movie and their expression, what happened to them afterwards, the girl on Instagram the other day who has a tattoo 
on her wrist with the letter A to represent baby boy A, to remember baby boy A. Um, you know, and she said basically she never wants to forget him and to always think about him and, and, and dedicate her life to trying to save babies just like him but didn't have anyone to defend them, you know. Um, and he was, he was at the very center of the, Gosnell, of the Gosnell movie and of the book. You know, we, didn't, we never show a photograph of him, but it's online. Anyone can look it up. But, you know, the photographs of those children were such a testimony to, to what's already legal. I mean, that, that's, I think, the very central part of the Gosnell story is we learned a lot about what was legal, and people were very shocked at what was already legal. Um, I know the two ADAs, the two assistant district attorneys in the Gosnell case, Christine Wexler and Joanne Pescatore, um, like they, were, they were just amazed. Like They didn't know that the law in, in, in Pennsylvania allowed for abortion up to 24 weeks. As they said, look, you know, it's better not to say 24 weeks. It's better to actually really say six months. Because when people hear six months, people know what women look like when they're six months pregnant. This isn't a, you know, this isn't a pimple. You know, this is a, this is a huge, this is a huge baby. This is a huge person with eyelashes and nails and, and, and eyes and, you know, and ears and all the bits intact and a heartbeat, you know, and that, and they were like, they were kind of completely gobsmacked that that was what was going on. And as I said, the thing that I think is a gift of the movie and the, and the, and the story is the testimony from the good abortion doctors, the two good abortion doctors, legal abortion doctors, who were asked to take the stand during the Gosnell trial and describe what a good abortion looks like when it's done well. <laughs> and I can tell you that the jury were more shocked by that than they were by the descriptions of the murders that Gosnell committed. They thought it was barbaric. They made noises. They actually made gas, particularly when um, Karen Fusling was asked, you know, how many abortions have you performed in your career? And the answer was 40,000. And that's like, you know, I, I remember talking to someone about this. And if you think about it, what, have you done anything 40,000 times? Think about what, what thing, you know, do you do in your work, you know, putting files away or, you know, or making a phone call? I mean, have you made 40,000 phone calls in your business? Like, like 40,000 times, it's an incredible number to comprehend. But you don't make $500 every time you do a phone call. This is absolutely pushed by money, whether the abortionist is actually making money per each abortion or Planned Parenthood is giving to the politician like Cuomo and Northam a lot of money to pass yeah. these bills. Yeah. It's and we know, money. we know it's in God's own case, you know, they were very, uh, yeah, they were very motivated by money. And the people who worked there were very motivated, motivated by money. We know that, you know, $250,000 was discovered in cash in his house. I don't know many people listening today have that kind of cash hanging around their home, you know. Um, I don't think so. I don't think too many, you know. Um, and also that the people at the clinic that where he worked, that everyone got tips, particularly if he was doing these late-term abortions, you know, people got these tips, which they really liked. So it was a, greed was a massive you know, component of this. And um, we can and also I, talk I, about, yeah, that they look the other way. Planned Parenthood looks the other way on these kids that are 12, 13, and 14 that might be in situations where there's incest happening or there's sex trafficking happening. They're supposed to report that to the police, but they refuse to. They don't protect these kids that are pregnant and coming in and asking for abortions. And I think it's because they want them to be frequent flyers. They want them to come back in maybe six months, a year later, and need an abortion again. Yeah. Well, we certainly know in Gosnell's case that the people were very, very much return uh, clients. You know, people were were going back repeatedly. So, um, you know, it's it's 
But I, as I said, I think the thing that's really important here is that people are finding things out um, and we're having a conversation about this and the conversation is... And we have to keep pushing that, though. And I would say to people, I would urge people who are listening to get a copy of the of the movie. Get it, you, know, you can get it in Walmart, as I said. You can get it on Amazon. And bring people over to your house um, particularly people who are either on the fence or people who are, you know, call themselves pro-abortion, and ask, you know, get them to watch the movie and just have a conversation afterwards. Very, you know, you don't. The movie does all the hard lifting actually, because you're, the problem with the movie is that you're actually confronted by real, real children, you know, that that you become that you come to know through the movie, and who died at Gosnell's hands and could have been very legally killed in America, and it's, you know, it 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 brings it it, it brings the thing home, and it's like, what side are you on? Um, and people yeah. don't want to be on the side of death, particularly the but, death of a small, small child. And, and yeah. I just to let you know that in about a week and a half, we have our Tea Party meeting here where I live, and I'm the leader here. So I've got the DVD. I have a friend that's coming together with a player, and we're going to be playing it before our group at our meeting in Fabulous. place of you know discussions. And then afterwards, we'll have a discussion. But uh, yeah, Fantastic. we're going to have a large group Send of people watching this Take movie. Take a photograph of your... Take a photograph of your group and send it to us. We, you know, we can put it up on the Facebook page um, because people are doing that. We're having the screenings happening all over the country, and, and people are meeting in groups, and it's like a, like a kind of a you know like a having a, a book club meeting, um, and it's really good. It's really good for people because the movie isn't um, it's not at all preachy. You know, it's just it's very journalistic. It's just telling the facts, and the facts are are horrific. You know, and and shocking. Um, and life-changing, and certainly, I mean, anyone who wants to check out, look at Twitter or read the reviews on Amazon um, of people who have watched the movie, and it's um, it certainly makes the last five years, which have been very difficult for us, um, it certainly makes it uh, a lot easier when we see all the messages that we're getting from people who are so grateful that this is available now, um, and we're very grateful that eventually we were man- we managed to get it out there. It was not it was not easy. I can tell you the powers of darkness were, were everywhere, like were everywhere all the time. You know, everything was difficult. Everything was difficult, much more difficult than it should have been. And do you know if um, Gosnell had children of his own? I'm just yes, curious. Seven, seven children. Well, what kind of person that has children can do that? I just don't understand. I don't understand either. I mean, you know, I am. Um, yeah, I listen. I, I mean, it's a really good point. I mean, you know, I, I, you know, and I, I, I am wondering about that kind of thing all the time with Gosnell. But, you know, if you think about it, you know, the Nazis had children that they loved. You know, the people who ran concentration camps had children that they loved. And they had, you know, wives that they loved and sisters and, and brothers and, you know, and, and all of that. And they, and they did what they did to other people. So, you know, there's a kind of some kind of, there's a bit of racism in it as well, I think. It's not, you know, but it's not everything. I mean, he was quite racist. He's a black man, actually, but he, but he was racist about black people. So he treated the black patients worse than he treated white patients. Um, you know, and, and when you look at what he did and how, you know, so many of these patients were, retur- were returning, you know, time after time after time, that's not care. That's not caring for the patient. That's not, um, you know, that's just greed. And it's, um, and as, as somebody had said earlier there, you know, it's like hoping for frequent flyers, you know, um, and hoping for more, more, more business rather than trying to solve any problems. Um, but he's a very, I mean, I've met him in prison. I, you know, I spent three hours with him um, in the prison in Huntington. And he is a, a, a very dis- disturbing character to meet. Um, 
like he has no natural affect at all. He doesn't, he doesn't have, you know, when you say that about so how could a man have children and behave like that, like he doesn't have um, the normal um, reactions to things that you would expect. You know, like, you know, can you imagine serving three life sentences, how you'd feel if that was you know, in your head and on your heart and you're sitting there in a prison with this prospect of never getting out? And he's actually quite you know, cheery and he smiles and he laughs a lot and, you know, it says it's great that, you know, he's getting a bit of a break because he had so much work and he's getting to read more and he's in a band and he's in a poetry class. You know, this is the way he talks, which is like really weird and then talking about how big his hands are, you know, very disturbing. I mean, anyone who wants to know more about, you know, about that, I mean, he, the book, you know, we go into a lot of detail about that visit in the book. The movie doesn't, you know, doesn't dwell on that much, that so much, but he's not, um, he's not like anyone I've ever met before. Um, uh, and I hope never to meet anyone like him again. Oh, Anne, I just wanted to thank you because I did get the book autographed, signed in the mail. I do appreciate that. I have it <laughs> with all the other that's authors great. that we've interviewed. That's yeah, great. and the book is yeah. awesome. No, that's the great. Book, no, the, the book, book is, is awesome. awesome. I mean, the book is, the book is yeah, I, I think, I, I, you know, as we interviewed people through the investigation for, for the movie, you know, we realized there was so much that would never be in the movie and that couldn't be in the movie. I mean, not alone would, would it get an R rating, it would get, you know, it would be X rated. Um, you know, and there were some scenes that we were going to include in the movie, and then when we went on set, we just thought, you can't do that, you can't show that. So the book shows everything, if you like, it describes everything, all the things that we learned that we thought were extraordinary, you know, and I mean, thank you for saying that. I mean, it's, um, I'm very proud of the book. Um, I think it's a tough book to read, but um, but people have been very moved by it, and it's, it's kind of a page-turner, because you read something in the book, and you think, like, okay, that's the worst thing I've ever read. And then you read, you know, the two pages later, and it's like, okay, okay, that just got replaced with something even worse. Um, and I just think there's, there's so much about the book, about just the whole situation, you know. I mean, one of the chapters is called The Banality of Evil, about the fact that, you know, that he had all these workers that worked for him, who he chose very carefully, however. I mean, in the sense that he chose people who wouldn't be employed by anyone else. You know, these are people no one would employ. And yet he employed them because he could control them. A lot of them had mental health issues, alcoholism, um, had been, you know, abused as children and had been through the foster care system. And, you know, all of that. Um, and so, of course, they were so grateful then to get this job and they were working for the doctor. And he let them do everything. I mean, these people were administering drugs, but they were also doing procedures when he wasn't there. Um, and, you know, but, but what, kind of the reason I say that the chapter was called The Banality of Evil was that in the midst of this carnage, this unbelievable scenes of carnage where, you know, just you can imagine how awful it was because so many children were being born alive and then were being slaughtered. Um, but in the midst of all of that, they were laughing. Like, they had loads of jokes. There were loads of in-jokes. There was a thing about one of the girls who had flatulence. Like, there was this kind of, so there was this humor. Um, and people were having a good time. You know, you know, one would like to think, you know, that there was some solemnity, you know, but then look and when, you know, and now that I just even begin to say that, look at the way people behaved in New York when the legislation was passed. Where there were these, like it was like a party, it was like a wedding, it was like somebody had just got married. And then also look, any of your listeners can look, look online and see how people behaved in Ireland, in Dublin, at Dublin Castle when the referendum was passed. Um, and people decided, you know, we suddenly had legal abortion in Ireland. People danced. They had champagne. 
you know, it was, it's indecent. It's, it's so offensive and uncivil and scary, actually. You know, that's Catholic Ireland, by the way. That's Catholic Ireland, the only place on the planet Earth that has voted to kill their own children. It's the only country in the world. That's a distinction that I'm certainly not proud to be a part of, but unfortunately I am. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, he, you know, and I don't know how much the greed part of, by the way, of, of, of Gosnell, I don't know how much that infects people, but I do think it was a massive part of everything. It, it is an absolutely awesome movie. My husband and I, like I said, we had downloaded it off of uh, the uh, TV service and we watched it. And then I went and bought the DVD just so I could play it for my group. Um, it is very, very well done. And when you're talking about uh, the the staff doing the procedures, there was one scene in there where Dean Kane is interviewing one of these uh, employees. And she's like, well, how did you know how to do that? He goes, he showed me how to do it, and that's it. You know, no training, no background. 20 minutes. A, a 20 little minutes. girl. Yeah. Yep. 20, 20 minutes. minutes training. 15-year-old. And 20 minutes training. And that's taken directly from that's taken directly from the grand jury and from the trial transcripts. So, you know, that's, we didn't make that up. You know, so basically the, the main anesthetist um, in the clinic was 15 years old when she started working there. Um, and... You know, her mother brought her to work, um, you know, as a kind of a, you know, like work experience thing. And she became the chief anesthetist. Um, it's extraordinary. And she created for herself a cheat sheet, you know, where she basically would kind of eyeball people and think, well, you're a little bit fat or you're a bit thin or you're tall or whatever. And a bit of pink and a bit of, you know, and she was mixing anesthesia um, as a 15-year-old. I mean, it's really... Um, uh, you know, unbelievable. You know, Tina Baldwin was was her mother, and Tina Baldwin was the one who brought her brought her in. It's just an amazing. Ashley Baldwin was the anesthetist, um, as I said, the start at fifteen, um, and she was asked, and she was asked, you know, under under perjury, under you know, under oath, you know, how much training did you get? And she said fifteen, you know, twenty minutes. Um, and you know, I mean, I have I happen to have a friend who's an anesthesiologist, and I can tell you, you know, so first of all became a doctor, and then went on to do anesthesiology, and you know, it's it's a first, you know, obviously like eight years or something, and then, but it's a lifelong um, situation, and there's obviously these little things like red-haired people are different to everyone else, and Asian people, which of course is super tragic when you think about it, so that Asian people um, have a different kind of biology to the rest of us and so have to be treated differently when they're getting anesthesia. Um, and poor, God help her, Karnamaya Monger is an, was an Asian lady and she went there having spent 20 years in a refugee camp only to get to America and you know be dead four months later after an abortion at Gosnell's clinic. But I mean, you can imagine she got anesthesia that was probably the same dose as would be given to other women who looked similar to her, but weren't Asian, you know, had maybe the same weight. And they couldn't even weigh her. They couldn't weigh her because the weighing scale was broken, you know. But the Department of Health wouldn't, you know, wouldn't inspect. They didn't inspect in 17 years. So there's, there's a level of... Um, you know, this is kind of the really scary bit for me is that the, the, is, is all the people who allowed Gosnell to thrive, and those people are still in jobs all over the country. And it's not just, you know, but if this happened in Pennsylvania and Philadelphia and the city of Brotherly Love, it can happen anywhere. So the, what's really scary is all of the enablers all over the country who are covering up for these guys who are running these clinics. It, it, what is shocking is that there were no inspections. 
That is the shocking part. That no one ever bothered to go in there. If they see the movie and see the filth and the conditions and the bags of body parts just scattered around. It, and to imagine that these women are going in there to have these abortions in such filth. You wouldn't go into a place like that to get your hair cut, much less have yeah. a medical procedure. Absolutely. No, it's incredible. Absolutely. Um yeah, I mean, and, and the grand jury were very critical of that, you know, that, 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 that you know, and, and, and even amazing that, you know, that two women died, and even though the two women were dead and the health board knew that, the, the Department of Health knew that, they still didn't inspect. You know, one would have to ask what would have had to have happened for the Department of Health to have felt it was important enough for them to go there, um, you know, and obviously the night that they did eventually go there, um, you know, it's, it's another really shocking chapter, which is covered in the, in the movie. You know, the, the two nurses who went there from the Department of Health the night of the raid, 17 years after the last inspection. You know, they walked in there. There was cats walking around. There was um, toilets backed up with with baby parts, and they um, and the smell of a smell of death, a smell of feces. A really, a just horrific scene. And uh, Gosnell was, you know, had women lined up for abortions, and. Um, the police officer, Jim Wood, said, this is crazy, can't let this guy operate. And the two nurses were in, unable to make a decision themselves. Um, so they, um, you know, they couldn't make a decision about whether or not to let the guy do medical procedures while the cats walking around. Um, so they phoned their betters in, in Harrisburg, and their betters said, don't stop him. So he continued to do abortions the night of the raid with that, you know, carnage all around with babies, you know, severed feet in jars and with this you know, incredibly unsanitary situation. So that that's how high level and how intense the protection of abortion is. You know, if it was a pub or a restaurant serving sandwiches and it found dust, they'd have closed that place down in a heartbeat. But um, no, you have to protect abortion at all costs. So he was allowed to continue on. And I can tell you that Jim Wood, who's not a medically trained person, who's just a very brilliant human being, thought this was beyond belief, you know, a, a real, a regular ordinary human being was able to, you know, to make the decision that, yes, yeah, this guy shouldn't be allowed to operate. But, um, but no, the Department of Health, the geniuses from the Department of Health in Harrisburg, you know, on their massive salaries after their medical training, you know, didn't, didn't think there was a problem. No, it is, it is an absolutely amazing, amazing story. And it's a story that has to get out there because people are under so many misnomers with abortion. Matter of fact, the Clinton clinic did not even have to have a hospital affiliation. And women did die. You know, in Texas, they tried to pass that law requiring any abortionist to be having a hospital affiliation because, God forbid, the woman goes into medical stress and needs to be transported. They have to have a hospital available for them to go to. But no, they they cut that law out there. It did not pass. And the fact that no. you don't need a hospital affiliation when you're doing a surgery like this is, is just mind-boggling. And if people were well, to really hear the whole story about Gosnell, then what's wrong with these people? Yeah, absolutely. No, it's extraordinary. It really is. Um, but as I said, I really hope people will get the book, will watch the movie and, and, and share it and, and, and talk about these issues because it's it's um it's an extraordinary an extraordinary an extraordinary story. Oh that it is. And the film work you did, you and film and Nick Searcy and everyone else that worked on it is absolutely extraordinary. So beautifully done. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been um 
been a it's been a long and tough and tough story to get here, but you know, but we're very, as I said, very grateful that, that we've got to this stage. Um, so yes, yeah, so get out there and go to Walmart and make sure you get a copy. They've thirty five thousand copies, so if, you know if they get them, wow. so they're going to order up more. So yeah, otherwise we have to we'll be we'll be in trouble if they don't get rid of them. So I would ask people to definitely you know get a copy um, as soon as you can because you you certainly won't regret it. People have been as I said, people have written. People can look on Twitter by the way. Just look at Twitter and look at people. I I, I love it. I love looking at it every day and seeing what people have said about the movie who've just watched because people go online and and you know write on Facebook and write. And they write to us all the time, telling us what they think. So it's been, um, it's been, it's been great, you know. Um, that finally, you know, uh-huh. as I said, about about a million people have watched it so far. So we're, um, we're by the time it's done, we're thinking, you know, it'll be watched all over the world. Well, I was just wondering if if yes. Carla has seen the movie or if she hasn't seen it, would she want to see it, Carla? We did see the movie. We saw it right away because, as I said, this all happened right here in my state, in my town. I'm a silly girl. And uh, one of the most interesting points of the movie to me was when he was really concerned about his turtles, the pets that he kept in the clinic. And it really was a beautiful contrast of this crazy man that had more compassion for his turtles than for the drugged-up girls that were sitting in his disgusting waiting room and the lives of the women that he had taken, the lives of the babies. So he, he had more compassion for an animal than human life that has a soul. And I think that that um, – I'm really glad that you put that into the movie. I'm sure that you had to pick and choose the, the point sure. of scenes that you wanted to keep. But um, as a mom, as a as a woman, as a citizen, I just really liked that you kept that in there because isn't that who the modern day feminist and Planned Parenthood is today? They're more concerned about puppies and trees than they are the American baby. And I actually just tweeted out today. I said something like, um, "What's the most endangered species on the planet? It's the American baby." And, uh, you know, there's a lot of truth to that. Um, I think that the other side uh, is willing to dish out their compassion to a lot of things, but not to the American baby. And it really shouldn't be that hard to choose life. It really shouldn't be that difficult to be able to look at a situation and say this is right and this is wrong. Um, And I think that um, the fact that you still have people like NPR you were sharing that are hiding – if this is about abortion, that's the frightening piece yeah. of this. Yeah. Is that there are still people out there that are not getting red pills. There, there's not this great awakening because there should be a moral outcry for the seizing of human life in, in this number. Remember, it's 60 million just in the States of America since 1973. Just in America. For yeah, and just and, and, and you know, and, and who knows if that number is even accurate? You know, because I think that could be easily on the conservative side, because we know certainly in the case of Gosnell, he didn't um, always report the numbers of abortions he was doing. He was, you know, and no one caught up with him on that, and no one, um, you know, called him out on that. Uh, you know, the Department of Health didn't. And I'm glad you mentioned the turtles. Yeah, it was obviously when we heard the story of the turtles, we thought, 
you know, that's just bizarre and we definitely wanted to include it and we even have the photograph of the, the actual <laughs> turtles at the end of the movie to prove that it happened, you know. I'm afraid I have to actually go on another interview right now, but um, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. And uh, as I said, I hope everyone will watch the movie. And when you do, just go on Facebook and, you know, tell us what you think. Go on Amazon and rate the movie. We have nearly 400 people who have given five-star ratings on Amazon already. Um, and be in touch with us. Let us know. And anyone who wants to talk, just write to me on Facebook. I get a lot of interesting um, correspondence from people who are very touched by the story. But, um, but for now, I have got to go. But thank you so much for having me. Well, thanks for And, you know, us, it's always our pleasure here. And there's a a link to the movie up on the show page here so when people listen to the podcast later on, they can click on it and get your movie. Fantastic. God bless you. Thank you so much. God bless everyone. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Carla, I got a question for you. What what role do you think the feminist movement play in all of this? Well, they are destroying babies, and they hate motherhood, and they hate men. So they are leading the abortion movement. If you studied the feminist movement, which I have, I've taken thousands of hours. I have part one, two, part two, three, and four on my Carlin Company podcast um, and on my radio show, which is 1180 WFYL. But I've studied the movement. And since 19, well, since the 60s, but they have been, one of the big things that they have been pushing for is for um, federally funded abortions, but also they do not want any, um, they want to be able to have abortions to to 40 weeks. They just think that that is their right. They think um, if you listen to things that Gloria Steinem has said or Margaret Sanger has said or Betty Friedan has said, who wrote the book, uh, um, they think that pregnancy is a disease. They think it's a cancer. Well, let those of us who include myself in that, I don't believe that pregnancy is a disease. I look at pregnancy as a blessing. It's, it's a miracle to be able to free life inside of me. I've read um, Betty Friedan's uh, Feminine Mystique. I recommend everybody reading that to try and get inside of the head of a feminist. But yeah. very Do they hate angry. God or what? Yes. They hate God, they hate men. They're very angry that men cannot get pregnant. They're very angry that men cannot breastfeed. I mean, there are paragraphs on this in our book. It sounds like I'm making it up. I'm not. They feel that babies and motherhood is something that um, uh, takes away a woman's liberty around her neck. Well, and the other thing that I studied is a lot of these women had terrible things. There was no dad in their home or the dad was an alcoholic. So that's another reason that I believe they hate men is because the first man that was in their life was not a good one. But just because one man is not good does not make the whole entire sex terrible. Nothing could be further from the truth. So to go back to your initial question, I believe that the feminist movement is leading the charge for abortion and for a culture of death. And you know and when I speak to a lot of feminists, it. when I speak to a lot of feminists, you're right. They were in a bad relationship with a man, and from that moment on, they hate men. Correct. It's very unforgiving, and it's like saying, okay, there's Muslims that 
um, attack and destroy and terrorize, that makes all people from the Middle East bad. Or there's one police officer that does something terrible, that makes all police officers terrible. That's just, it's not logical. Um, and it's a slippery slope. But one of the reasons that our family started our Fashion for Lifeline, CLL 1972, Culture of Life 1972, is because we'd like to get back to that year 1972 and honor it and celebrate you know, the time when we lived in a culture of life. As you guys know, 1973, the Supreme Court ruled that our tiniest Americans did not have the right to life. And since that time, 60 million plus Americans have been denied the right to life. So we're trying to, instead of focusing on all the terribleness, because we know it's out there, we've been focusing on it for 50 years, and we still need to live in truth and know that these things are happening, infanticide, abortion, you know, selling babies' body parts. But it's our prayer, it's our mission. We feel led to use the medium of fashion to reach the pop culture and say, you know what, you guys, life is amazing. We're going to come around you as a life tribe. We want you to choose it. We know that you're strong enough to do that. Um, And we just applaud those of you who do choose life when you think it's a hard decision to make or when you think that it's a less than ideal situation. And that's, that's the mission behind our brand. And as you know, there's 42 brands, probably even more, that very boldly and unapologetically give money to Planned Parenthood. Um, organizations like Gap, Old Navy, um, Kate Spade. When you purchase their products, they give money to Planned Parenthood. We did not feel healthy purchasing products from them, and then they turn around and give money to something that goes against our core principles. There's only one fashion company that turns around and supports life and gives back to pro-life causes, and that's our CLL 1972. We just launched eight weeks ago. We thank you so much for sharing our story with your listeners. And our Life Tribe is growing. In just eight weeks, we've gotten so many letters from people thanking us for having this fashion line, sharing their stories about how they adopted children, and they're so grateful that the young moms did choose life for their children Uh, I had one dad reach out to me last night, and I actually read his letter on my Facebook page on Cole 1972. Um, I read his letter because he had a child that the doctors told him he should abort, and his little daughter, Julia, was born with a global um, disease, so they don't know exactly what it is, but she's now 16 years old. Yesterday was her sweet 16. She's 16, and she um, just started to walk at 16 years old and she still does wear diapers and she's not able to talk, but he just shared it, how she's brought so much beauty to their family's life. And I just think it's very Mm -hmm. dangerous when the left or the feminist or Planned Parenthood or Cuomo or Governor Northam choose to play God and start deciding who they think has the right to life and who they think, you know, has a life that's not worth living. Well, there's so much. Dangerous. Well, there's so much to that because if you look at the TV commercials for St. Jude's, or uh, what's the other one that's out there, and you look at the beautiful Shriners out there, the and Shriners, like, yeah. Shriners, thank you. Uh, if you look at those two commercials out there, and you see the beauty and the joy these kids bring, and yes. the culture of life that's there, how can you say that their lives are not worth it? That that these should be aborted. 
how could they possibly say that? You know, we can't say it. And, it's and very, very dangerous. What, We're going to end up like Iceland with no kids with Down syndrome. You read all the articles on that. They've completely annihilated the Down syndrome gene because they've aborted those children. I have friends that have babies with Down syndrome. They say, we love our children with Down syndrome. Do you know that there's never been a Down syndrome child that has been convicted of a rape or a murder? Down syndrome children do not get depressed or anxious because they have extra endorphins. So if you say that a child with Down syndrome does not have the right to life, well, what about a murderer? Do they have the right to life? What about a rapist? Do they have the right to yeah. life? What about, I mean, you have to, the other side doesn't make sense to me when we well, talk about Annie, the life issue. No. Annie mentioned something earlier in our interview with Avita King, and I thought it was really, um, really unique, and that, that is that the Girl Scouts of America – are hooking up with Planned Parenthood, yeah. and it sounds like it's some kind of indoctrination um, process they they're doing on you know a number of oh. Girl Scouts. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, yes, yes, that is a huge true. article in Breitbart about this. Yes, yes, that is true. We've actually been boycotting. <laughs> My family boycotts a lot of things. That's why we started our own fashion line. Um, we have been boycotting Girl Scouts for probably two years now because. We heard two years ago that they were donating to Planned Parenthood, um, and then they denied that. But then shortly after that, they decided to allow little boys that identify as girls and actually men that identify as women um, into the group, whether they were um, members or of the men identifying as women were leaders in the group. That meant that these men could be sleeping in the cabin with your little girls. That's preposterous. I mean, change the name to Kids Club, but don't call it Girl Scouts. That offends me as a woman if you're allowing men into the group because I don't believe that men can identify as women. There's only two genders, XX and XY. And really, this goes back to abortion too, I believe, because if you believe a lie that okay, that, that at the moment of conception – this is not a human life. So you're going against biology. You don't believe biology. You're saying something's growing inside of the mother, but it's not a life. It's a rock. It's a tree. They're just trying to excuse this away, why they can kill life inside of the mother's womb. When we deny biology inside of the mother's womb that this is not life, what other lies are our kids going to believe about biology? Well, I'll give you another one. They're going to believe that boys can be girls and girls can be boys. They are going to believe that there are 50 genders. Again, this is not bigotry. This is biology when I say that there's only two genders. This is not bigotry. This is biology when I say that moments, that life starts at the moment of conception. Um, this is an exciting time to be a pro-lifer. We have science behind us. Our kids are being yeah. raised in a time of 4D ultrasounds. You cannot deny. It's not a blob of tissues. It's, it does, it's not something that resembles a frog. This is human life. So the left is frightened. They're scared. Their agenda is going to fall apart because we have biology and science that's backing the life movement, period. Well, just, just think of this. If they found one pea pod growing on Mars, they would report back that we have found life on Mars. <laughs> that's great. You're right. Yet, yet. Uh, a fetus inside of a womb is not considered life. 
You are I right. You. That is a great analogy. That is a great point. You know, as I said before, if it was a person that was a member of PETA, the animal is more important than a human child. If you're a vegan and you don't want animals killed, so you won't eat meat, but you will not protect the unborn child. I went to the inauguration, and that was the next day when we were leaving. We got stuck in the crowd of the Women's March. And there's this woman with this sign saying, my body, my life. And marching with her was a rector, either a deacon or something, I don't know, a a man of the cloth. And he's supporting this. And I, I looked at him, and I practically yelled at him. I said, you, a man of the cloth, a man of God, and you won't protect a human life? Really? Shocking. What type of religion Shocking. are you practicing? And then to the woman, and I said, your body, your life, but what about the life of that unborn child? Who's going to protect that? And my girlfriend Brilliant. at that point grabbed Brilliant. me to fight. But you know, right, right. It's a great point that you make, absolutely. And I think that a lot of people you know, are it, coming over to the side of truth. Yeah. Matter of fact, uh, this was the article that was in Breitbart, and it reads in one part, Ann Saladin, creator of MyGirlScoutCouncil.com and co-editor Christy Belinsky, had spent nearly a decade documenting Girl Scout USA's relationships with the abortion industry, Planned Parenthood, and political leaders who support abortion and a left-wing agenda. And later on, it reads, GSA, US, uh, GSUSA, recent sponsorship, participation, and promotion of the Teen Vogue Summit, which featured reproductive justice among its topics, is the latest examples at odds with their assurance that GS, GSUSA does not take a position or develop materials on these issues, human sexuality, birth control, and abortion, she said. If tweeting out the pro-abortion mantra, my body, my choice, my rights, isn't taking a position, I don't know what is. Now, the Teen Vogue (laughs) Summit, I don't know if anyone was aware, last year the May edition came out that promoted reproductive justice and offered a tutorial, and catch this, on anal sex. So I pulled it up, and this thing is graphic. It is teaching kids. Kids. How to, how to perform anal sex and how to get pleasure out of it. Mm, no, no, Isn't no. This child this rape? is pornography. Child abuse. No, no, no. Yes, it's it, there's pornography laws against this. Under 18 years old, our children are absolutely not to be exposed to any of this. Of course, they're trying to put it under the guise of sex ed or whatever they're trying to call it. But this absolutely under, this is why when you go into libraries, they have filters on everything because under 18 years of age, they are not to be exposed to any of these things. So this absolutely is wrong. Um, And again, this is a no brainer. This should be difficult (laughs) to, uh, to, to win this argument, there's some things that are just not debatable, and this is one of them. Uh, children should absolutely not be exposed to this. And by the way, anal sex has, um, if you look up all of the research, medical research on this, um, tons of diseases. Um, this is not healthy. This is not a healthy lifestyle. No, no, no to that. But I need to pick up my daughter from lacrosse. I do apologize. I I, I didn't realize that you wanted to have me on for for such a wonderful show. 
Um, but I, I need to get her. <laughs> I'm going to be the only mom well, not there picking her up. And it's freezing in Pennsylvania, have you know. It just started snowing oh, here. Oh, wow. But God well, Carla, bless you both for everything that you're doing. Oh, my pleasure. Well, we appreciate we'll have you, you back being on. There's a link on the show page, so you know how it works. When people catch the podcast, they can click on the link, go directly to you, learn about your show, learn about your pro-life advocacy, as well as your clothing line. So thank you, and God bless you. Thank you, and I will be sure to share it as well. Oh, no, no, please invite me back again, and God bless you guys. Have a great weekend. All righty. You too. Check out uh, Carla's link over on the show page here. It's the Culture of Life. It's her name, Carla Dadesi, uh, last name is spelled D-A-D-D-E-S-I, CarlaDadesi.com. But this is scary stuff that they're doing to our kids here, Curtis. You know, they're, again, they're brainwashing our kids. They're thinking that yeah, they it's are. okay if you're underage to have promiscuous sex and, and just experiment with it, which is what this Teen Vogue is promoting. How many, I wonder how many people actually read Teen Vogue. I remember when it first came out, you know, it was all the rage. And I'm sure a lot of kids are, are going online and checking it out. And, and they're actually promoting absolute promiscuity with our children. Underage kids encouraging them to have sex and telling them how to have it. I mean, this tutorial is graphic. I'm not going to read any of it, that's for sure. But I held up a, a, well, you know. a one page of it in front of the camera. And I'm telling you, it is... It is. If you found your child having it, I, I'm sure you would be flipping your lid. And it is pornography. Oh yeah. It is extremely detailed. And it's right what she was saying right. about um, anal sex, because if I'm not mistaken, I think Sarah Fawcett Major um, died from um, cancer of the rectum. So that's a dangerous thing, you know. Occupation or whatever. I mean, if if it the rectum can be ruptured, uh, you can transmit disease. This is how AIDS was being spread AIDS. when it first oh, came yeah. here in the late seventies. Yes, AIDS uh, because of you know this type of uh, sex um, infections that could be and then could lead to possible cancer. And they have case after case of people that are practicing this form of sex as ending up with uh, cancer and. Um, you know, you don't hear much about AIDS anymore. Never. Yeah, there used to be Tiger Beat that you used to read when we were kids, but it replaced by mm-hmm. Teen Vogue. Uh, and this is this is what they're teaching our kids, the propaganda they're yeah. teaching us. And you know, as Carla was saying, they're teaching our kids that gender is fluid. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> My my mind is actually spinning at this moment because uh, it is just crazy. We have gotten to a time in our society where I call it the utter moral decay, and it's about time for us to try to take it back. You know, there's certain things that are just not okay. If they allow kids as young as six, seven, eight, nine, ten, you know, to be used as sex objects. Well, think about these children's pageants. What was the name of that one little girl that uh, was killed? Beauty Queen, that little Joan one. Joan Benet. Up in the Chicago Joan area. Joan Benet. Yes. Joan Benet. 
sexualization. Yep, the sexualization of our children. Yeah, kids aren't allowed to be kids anymore. You know, we get ourselves so involved in taking them to uh, soccer practice or martial arts or running them around to do all these things. We forget the kids need to be kids. Let them go play on the swing set and the, and the monkey bars. So what if they fall down and scrape their knees? They're kids. Get them out to play a game of baseball or something like that. In the neighborhood, you don't have to have these leagues organized. Have the kids interact with other kids on the block. Get them away from those smart devices, the computers and the TVs. Well, a lot of times they say uh, parents are living their own dreams through their children. It's not really what their children want to do, but it's what their parents kind of like urge them or force them to do because these parents are trying to live, you know, their dreams, their unfulfilled dreams to their children, you know. And that's sad, but we have parents like that. Well, how many times you go to a restaurant or a fast food place and you look around and how many people have their faces buried in their smart device? I mean, I had to go to the doctor early this morning, and I walk in. I'm the only one holding a newspaper. Everyone else has their smart device, and they're clicking away on it, left and right. Pick up a book. Pick up the local paper. See what's going on. You know, do some old-fashioned real reading. But no, you know, everyone has to do exactly what's right and good for me. Expand your horizon. Educate yourself. And then take the time to talk to the person sitting next to you. Just say hi. When you go into a store, say hi. How are you doing today? Nice to see you out there. Start a conversation. You stand in line at the grocery store. Talk to the person in front of you or behind you. But no, everyone goes into the little isolated world. Well, what we're missing I believe that's humanity. why they don't communicate too well today. Children today don't communicate all that well. They don't have the skills. I don't even know if kids have recess that much anymore. We used to have something called recess, and we'd go out and play and have a good time. Yeah, we'd bring a, a handball into school with us, go to the side of the wall behind the gym, and we play handball. Yeah. Kids can be inventive if you allow them to develop. But what's happening is our kids are being stunted in their development. As an infant, you hand them a smart device. No. Hand them an actual real toy so they can learn dexterity. You know? And you know, a lot, of boys, a lot of boys are kind of hesitant to engage a female because of, you know, the trouble they can get in because things can be misstrewed, you know. Um, they're afraid of that, you know, um, this good touch, bad touch, or even if they're just trying to flirt with them, you know, they could be brought up on sexual harassment charges. So a lot of guys seem to... To, to shy away from interacting with females. You know, as kids used to play cops and robbers, cowboys and Indians, you built forts and tents. You had toy guns. doesn't mean you've got to grow up to be a, a mass murderer. You know, you just we imitated life of adults around you. You know, you played tag. You played football. But now you can't touch. Heaven forbid you nope. touch 
your another kid. Heaven, heaven forbid Can't hug. you eat a pop tart. You eat a pop tart and it ends up in the shape of a gun. You get expelled. Heaven forbid. Finger at well, someone. Right. Heaven forbid. You could suspend it. You know, it's crazy. We have become so PC. PC. It is PC. gone over the top. And yet, and yet we have gender fluidity. Kids are being born with gender X on it. Not a boy, not a girl, but an X. Oh, when the child grows up, they can decide what they want to be. You know, I'd rather be tall, slender, blonde, thin, rich, but it ain't going to happen. My genetics say it ain't going to happen. Well, I'm glad this is getting out because I think most Americans are repulsed by this, you know, this this madness on the left. Uh, And I I say left a lot because they're the ones that are supporting this. They're the ones that um, are putting this stuff out. You know, the policies and things that they enact, it's all to um, satisfy that that group, you know, their constituency. Well, um, Kelly just put something up in the chat room. I'm sorry, our our last guest is not called in, Dr. Wilbur Riley. Uh, He's got the book Hate Crime Hoax. Uh, I was going to talk to him about Jesse Smollett. Uh, Kel has oh, kind of God. put an article okay. from CBS that he's been indicted on 16 counts by the grand jury. Good. Good. Absolutely good. Oh, um, you want you want something funny here, guys. And I did want to talk to our last guest, and I'm going to have to see if I can get him to read book. Uh, but this is just too, too funny. And it happened right here in South Carolina. And... Uh, this was in the Charleston Observer, and it reads, The mayor of a tiny Lamar, South Carolina town called police because she thought her car had been vandalized with spray paint after it was covered in a white or yellow substance, according to police report. First Mayor Darnell Bird McPherson thought it was pollen, the report said. Then her husband saw the car that night and said it looked like spray paint. In a statement to WPDE, the mayor said of the suspected vandalism, love conquers hate, and my husband and I, imitated by those perpetrate this act of vandalism, for which I classify as an act of hate. The officers arrived on February 7th, wrote in the report that the substance covering the car was yellowish and a type of powder similar to pollen. In a statement, the mayor said, the incident happened last night, even though I drove my car today. I thought it was pollen. My husband and our neighbor noticed the cars looked like someone had spray-painted on both our vehicles, which were parked in our front yard. The police report said someone went out to the cars at about 10 p.m. and saw what they thought was vandalism. The person went back to the house and asked, where did you go today? The car is covered in paint. The person listed as the victim in the police report told officers she first thought it was pollen, Then, according to the police report, she told them she had a possible suspect in mind at the time. Police forwarded the vandalism complaint to the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division. The mayor on Wednesday told WPDE that the state investigators were unable to make a determination of the substance because no sample was taken by the Lamar Police Department. (laughs) Now, I don't know if anyone knows about the South, 
but this is the time of year where we get a lot of pollen. I mean, you could wash your car in the afternoon, and by nighttime, it's covered in what looks like green. My black car ends up looking green because of the amount of pollen. You know, this is the heavy pollen season time here in the South, especially South Carolina. And yet it comes down real thick and it changes the color of your car. So you end up taking a hose and washing it off. But she reports this pollen as an act of vandalism. I'm sorry. There was a picture with the article that was posted, and they had taken their <laughs> finger and run it through. And if you see the natural, the actual paint on, underneath the car, underneath the pollen, that's pollen. What she had on her car is pollen. But these, these hate crime hoaxes are getting so bad. And she thought she was going to give someone up and have them arrested for pollen on her car. She had a suspect in mind, someone she thought that spray-painted her car. You park the car in the front yard under the tree. You're going to get pollen. (laughs) Oh, well. uh, What can you say? I just could could not. (laughs) And I laughed. But, you know, think about the, the amount of time and effort that's spent, you know, investigating this. Because now you had a police report with the local police department, and even they said, hey, lady, this is pollen. This is pollen, lady. But they advanced it because she wanted a hate crime report filed. They advanced it to the state division, which means now it opens up a whole investigation. You're going to have an investigator come down here. You're going to have a DA to be consulted to see whether or not charges should be filed against someone. Because remember, she's got a suspect in mind. Think about the cost. Because she wants to report a hate crime. She wants people to feel like she's a victim. The man hours. Yeah. And think about the man hours uh, that went into Jesse Smollett. And unfortunately, I'm sorry that this author wasn't with it because he cited um, 81 different cases of hate crime hoax. 81 cases. Uh, everything from uh, Tawana Brawley to Susan Tawana Smith Brawley. to a lot that, uh, yeah. And I really wanted to, you know, to interview this guy, uh, but unfortunately, not with us. So that leaves just about that for all we have right now. Well, we had this um, fireman, and uh, it's a rural area that I live in, and this township not too far from where I live had one black fireman who um, alleged that um, some racist remarks were written on his um, locker and um, some other things, a noose and all that, and... um, when they investigated it, um, he had to admit that he did all that himself. It was a hoax. He wanted to um, wanted to get a promotion, and he thought, you know, by making it seem as though he was oppressed or victimized, that that would help him, you know, in his promotion bid. So, you know, a lot of these people are, I don't know, they they got this warped sense of um, logic which is really illogic. And um, first thing they run to is like racism or something like that, you know. 
Well, there's if you were to read the book, there's different reasons. Sometimes it's monetary. Sometimes it's attention. Um, all different types of things. There's no yeah. one thing. And yeah, there's some people were were looking to make their political point. Uh, there was a uh, university, I believe, up in Michigan, where these nooses started to show up all over the place, and they were being that. reported as hate crimes. And guess what? The person that was responsible for it happened, was doing it just so she could see what the reaction was on the university, whether or not they would treat it as a hate crime, because she was one of these social justice warriors. There was no hate crime. It was a complete hoax. But there's a, now, I don't know. I don't know why I don't know if this, um, Michigan gets a lot of these. I don't know. I don't know if this qualifies as a hate crime, but there was an incident a couple of years ago where um, some people were paid to um, dress up like KKK members and um, attend a, a tea party rally so that um, it could be, you know, the perception would be that, hey, you know, the tea party is a racist organization. Look, they even got the Klan um, showing up. And the, the one of the uh, photographers, um, happened to um, take a picture of these three guys and notice that their hands were the color of of black man hands. So they forgot to um, (laughs) cover their hands or paint it or whatever, but they were black men trying to put on like, so they were, yeah, like they were clan members and and they got busted. (laughs) But see, that's, I would call that a political hate crime, political hate crime. Yeah. Well, Borp has it right, Agent Provocators, because um, when we had our rallies, the first two really big rallies we had, we actually had you know people out at the edge of the crowds looking for these infiltrators. And, yeah, we did have a bunch of them try to infiltrate. And thank God for the uh, police chief, yeah. and he had his guys out there. And as soon as we located one of them, they swooped in and very quietly took them away. But we had them at the edge of the crowds trying to get in. And trying to make it look like that we were something that we were not, mm-hmm. and they'll do that. And that's, Another hate crime yep, hoax. Yeah, and that's their um, objective to make us look like racists. Yeah, we did have one rally at one point where someone did come in and managed to get into the main crowd with a sign. But the second we spotted it again, the police chief swooped in, and that guy was gone in a heartbeat. Yeah, so. Yeah, it's, it's out there. It's out there. And like I said, a lot of these things, for some reason, seem to pop up in Michigan, these hate crime hoaxes, uh, because Uncle Sam's misguided children reports that police in Michigan began investigating a fire that burned the home of a transgender person, Nikki Joy, to the ground, killing his slash hers. I'm, I have legitimately no idea what this person's gender is. Five pets as a hate crime in December of 2017. 13 months later, Jolie himself, herself, was finally arrested and charged with arson after police at last discovered that he, she had burned down his or her own home, killing all five Mm -hmm. pets. How sick and warped do you have to be that you kill your own pets? I mean, talk about not valuing life. You know? That is one type of a sick person. Yeah, you have to be men and women 
with no feelings. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there was another article I caught up in this. And a matter of fact, Kel over in the chat room may appreciate this one. Um, this is from the Daily Conspiracy, so take this with a grain of salt. But a recent report from England underscored the disturbing new government policy against civil right to free speech and the independent expression of one's personal opinion. British police are now investigating hate crimes that turn witnesses into victims, even though no legal crime had been committed. A note is made on a police file on anyone figured anonymously for saying or posting online anything someone else regards as hateful. Confused, join the club. In some of the most twisted and sinister logic to come forward in modern history, Great Britain is building a government infrastructure of thought police. In the classic novel 1984 by George Orwell, published in 1949, the author describes a society 35 years in the future where one world government controlled everything and everybody. The authoritarian police force used high technology to track, monitor, eavesdrop on, and alert authorities of all citizen wrongdoing, which could be any manner of thing, including facial expression or turn of phrase. Um, police in Humberside, England, had words with a local man who sends messages from his Twitter account as Harry the Owl. A complaint about one of Harry's posts, which said that trans women are not women, triggered a legal investigation on behalf of the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer or questioning LBGTQ community. On January 23rd, Harry began a Twitter narrative of his day at work after he issued his opinion about trans women. First, his boss called him to say that cops wanted to speak with him. Harry returned the call and was connected with a police constable. He spoke to the PC, introduces himself as representing uh, the LGBTQ community on a report of hate speech by me. They found me via my company and had been all over the website and decided if I employed trans people at all. It was not a safe place for them, and work should know. The PC admitted during the conversation that 30 of Harry's tweets had been reviewed and no actual crime had been committed. The officer did read a limerick, the you know, humorous short poems, of a sexually salty nature over the phone. Harry said he had not written the limerick. Ah, but you liked it and promoted it, the PC replied. Harry asked, why was he wasting his time on a non-crime? The PC told Harry, it's not a crime, but it recorded as a hate incident. Hmm. PC insisted that the snitch was a victim on this non-criminal case, Harry tweeted. So I've added to statistics, even though there is no crime, which brings me to my next point. The cop repeatedly called the complainant the victim. I asked how there could be a victim if, he established there was no crime. He said that's just how it works. The thought police are out there. They're out there already. Well, I think are you it's with like, you, um, yeah. I think it's pretty much like um, <laughs> Washington. We we're we are a nation of laws, 
but we have lawlessness in Washington. You know, it's pretty much, you know, you you make it up as you go. And um, as a result, mm-hmm. you know, we have people like Hillary that can uh, commit, you know, egregious crimes and get away with it. You know, they have a two-tier system of justice, one for them and one for us. And I don't know. Yeah. I believe that uh, we need to tackle this. We need to get everybody back to where justice is blind, you know, or equal justice for all. You know, I got, we got some of the greatest listeners in the chat room. Uh, Chief writes, uh, reminds him of how the Seinfeld ended. The cast was in jail for witnessing a crime. <laughs> and uh, JP over on <laughs> Facebook, JP Sloan. JP Sloan, because JP is a child of Hollywood. Uh, he wrote, my godfather, Western motion picture star, Lash, Lash LaRue, the king of the bullwhip, used to pick me up at school. And when the kids would come see him in the parking lot, they would run over to him. Lash would then strap on his 45s and shoot some blanks in the air and crack the whip. Today, he would be put under the jail. That's true. Think about that. If you were to try to do that, you know, you go to pick up your kid from school and all his friends know that you're a movie star, you're a cowboy movie star. So you strap on your 45s, you're shooting blanks. But oh my goodness. You've got guns near kids, and you're shooting them in the air. How dare you? How dare you? I wonder if soon they're going to come for the NASCAR races at Texas Motor Speedway, because when they win the race, what do they give them? A pair of a set of guns, a set of revolvers, which the well, drivers you know, do shoot the blanks in the air. When I was a, when I was a little boy, I used to have a replica of um, the shotgun that. Um, Lucas McCain, you know, carried on uh, the rifleman. And I would walk around with that, that gun and cock it, you know, like a little kid does play, you know, cowboys and Indians or whatever. But to, in today's climate, you know, I probably would have SWAT called on me. <laughs> That's how bad it's gotten. Yeah, you'd buy, <laughs> and, and, and you'd still buy be 11 years and have SWAT called on me. <laughs> We would buy the cap guns, right? You know, you load them up and you play cowboys and Indians, cops and robbers. You know. Well, we're coming down to our last couple of minutes on the show here, Curtis, and I'm looking to see uh, who we have right now. Um, I don't have everything complete up on here, but uh, on next Friday we've got John Malkovich coming back on. We got a new author, Gary Williams. Um, his book. I believe is the hero of Guadalcanal. And then we have Clint Johnson coming back. He was the author of uh, Tin Cans, uh, that naval book. Uh, Tin Cans and Greyhounds. Yeah. Yeah. So so we have, uh, oh man, I just kicked myself out of the chat room. (laughs) Tell me. Anyway, we got some good lineups coming in uh, next week, and I'm sorry we didn't get all of our guests over here. I'm going to have to get a hold of their agents to find out uh, what happened here. Um, reschedule. I just I just kicked myself at the yeah. Get them to reschedule. I apologize for that. Uh, normally I have a lot more stuff to talk about and work with, but 
We made it through. We made it through. Anyway, you oh, have we'll, anything going I'm on? I'm sure we'll have, plenty, we'll, we'll have plenty of material. <laughs> just just leave it to the left. They'll give us plenty of material. <laughs> no, I, and I, uh, I'm willing to bet. I'm willing to bet that sometime later on this afternoon we may get a hint at the Mueller report because it's a Friday, and what's the best time to dump stuff is late Friday afternoon. It's not yeah, already out there. That. Today was supposed to be the day, you know, according to all the hubbub around D.C. that the Mueller report mm-hmm. would come out today, but I haven't heard anything. And you're right. They like to dump things on Fridays because of the weekend coming up. But we'll see tomorrow. (laughs) Absolutely. And that is what the book is about, the the destroyers. So I want to thank everyone who's joined us with us today. Uh, We had a great time. And uh, check out the Gosnell movie. Uh, The link is on the show page. Uh, Check it out. It's absolutely excellent. And uh, get people to watch it with you. You know, let's spread the word. I might about go out and get it horrific tonight. crime. I might go and get and it tonight. Walmart has it. All right. Yeah. And I'm I'm glad Walmart Walmart had the guts to carry it. You wouldn't see it anywhere else. But I want to thank everyone for joining us. So we leave you with our closing song. If I can get the right mails coming up here, when the roll is called up yonder. So until then, I say good night. God bless. And have a wonderful weekend. We'll see you next Friday.